Thank you so much for tuning in to the Spiro Avenue Show. You could follow us on social media at Spiro Avenue on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can also watch our full episodes and clips and highlights on YouTube. And we would appreciate it if you could hit that subscribe button for us. Anyways, thank you so much for tuning in, and I hope you enjoy. Uh, welcome back to the Spiro Avenue Show. It's quite a privilege. And, you know, we were off for about 16 days there as I planned a stupendous event to hang a giant painting on the wall with dignified Michigan State alum all over the building. And it was wonderful, but I did miss the audience. I missed the common public man that has been there with us from the beginning. So what are we doing? We're cranking out shows left and right. This is like our third show in six days or something. I don't know. My wife looks at me more and more irritated every every day this week. So something's going on. I think I've been busy. But we're happy to have you back. Obviously, the Cade Cunningham fever is still going on. I still have it. I'm taking like 17 Tylenol a day to try to bring that fever down. It's not working. I'm at like a 108. Any other circumstance, I'd be carted off to go to the hospital with that type of a temperature or dead. But alas, I am still here despite my Cade Cunningham excitement. So we're going to shift off Cade Cunningham because I could do 10 hours on it, but everybody's doing that now. We did it. Put it aside because there's another thing going on in town right now. It just did kind of happen, although you would have never noticed it as a baseball fan in the city. The MLB trade deadline came and went. Basically, nothing happened. So let's just talk big picture with the Detroit Tigers and do a general state of the rebuild. I'm going to get to that in just a second. But first, we have to remember, who butters the bread around here? Who keeps the lights on? Who pays Ben Salary, the great and powerful Oz on the other side of the curtain? It's not me. It's not the guests. It's not Paul Bunyan on the wall. It's the sponsors. Tonight's sponsor, WadeFinkLaw.com, one of our newest sponsors, an awesome guy. Wade Fink, a brilliant criminal defense attorney, a Birmingham legend of litigation. And if you recognize the name, it's because he's the son of Neil H. Fink, who represented basically everybody that was accused of anything from 1960 to 1995 in Metro Detroit, a legend in his own right. Following in his father's footsteps is Wade Fink. His mother, Kimberly Stout, is still an active attorney in Metro Detroit. Brilliant legal mind. You can't go wrong. If you happen to be craving a crime rampage for whatever reason. You've had a bad day and you're just going to go wipe out the whole town. You got to lawyer up if you're going to do that. You got to be responsible in your criminality. That's what you call Wade Fink. And I was supposed to tell you, he was mad that I'm always uh, sort of pushing the guilt on his clients. Remember, people are innocent all the time. People are wrongfully accused all the time in this country. So either way, whether you're innocent or you actually did the, do, uh, the, the deed, you got to call Wade. He'll defend you. Lawyer up into the arms of Wade Fink. He's got your back. There are innocent people out there too, so he's got your back as well. Call him, email him, get a hold of this guy somehow. I know if I was jammed up, he's who I'd call Wade at WadeFinkLaw.com's his email, or just go to WadeFinkLaw.com. He will get you out of that jam. Trust me on that one. He's a great guy, good friend of mine. So let's get to it. Troy Tigers, uh, normally we do this 10-minute intro because I love hearing the sound of my own voice, and uh, you know, I've been told I'm a narcissist, although I'm trying to work on it. But I'm not going to get into any deep dive right now uh, myself because I want to bring in the panel right up front. I'll just set it up this way. The Detroit Tigers won today. They're 51 and 57. They've had three consecutive winning months. So before this season, we brought in the brilliant Tony Paul to do sort of a state of the rebuild. I believe it was in February. Kind of where are we at? What's this season looking, for, uh, looking like? What are we looking for in this season? And what did we make of the offseason that was uh, sort of taking place sort of at the end when we met and was wrapping up at that point? And it was a general state of the rebuild. And it was a deep dive. 
And we weren't pleased. And and frankly, I think Tony agreed with me on that show repeatedly that we were not impressed at that point uh, with the commitment from ownership. I mean, we had a lot of concerns. And since then, there's been some good and some bad. I know we're all excited now, but it, it, there's been plenty of bad too. Positives, negatives, we're going to get into it. So without further ado, I want to get to the expert panel. Normally, Tony Paul is here alone. This time, not that he needed the help, but we brought some help. My buddy, Scott Anderson. Start with Tony Paul from the Detroit News. Great reporter, great friend of the show. Welcome, Tony Paul. Thanks, Justin. Good to be back. It's, yeah, Can't yeah. stay away from this uh, wonderful place. I'm relentless with you. And even though people said, as soon as you teased out that you were going to be here tonight, they said they were losing a lot of respect for you, and they would, quote, lose a lot of respect for, or I think all respect, for anyone that appears on the show, which is interesting because you're, you're running out of people to have respect for because it's easier to find people in the phone book that have not been on the show <laughs> It is, it is, we're so overwhelmingly popular with the Detroit media here. I don't know what it, it is. is a, that, this is a growing list. I was one of the first, though, I think. Yeah. I, I were, took the leap you're early. The, you're like the second yeah. one. Hey, we're, we're very popular. I don't know what to tell you. People keep coming. So those those Twitter guys, they got to relax. I don't it's, know they, it's good conversation. I think the peop, the media has, has understood that. I think that's why they come. Well, that and I, I pester them. I'm you relentless. You do that. You are relentless. Yeah, I, I do bother. I, I harass people into a yes. So, yeah, this no does not mean no when it comes to my request for appearances on this show. And my buddy Scott Anderson, your second appearance, right? Oh, third. Third? That's right, first, with Darian. With Darian back. That was, that was with audio, one. though. That was the audio yeah. version. So it was my second official with the new studio, all the, you know, the beautiful lights and cameras so it's my second time with that and uh you know I'm, I'm contracted two per year so this is number Shit, two for 2020 shirt so yeah exactly i got yeah, he's what, representing got right the represent. yeah, he's well, the hell. Get you, we'll get you next time but uh, uh you want me to go into the closet right now yes, we'll, we'll yes, pull one out pause. for you time <laughs> yeah. out, time out. start the yeah, whole thing yeah, over so okay out. so we're we're here you were here in february as we mm-hmm. talked about um i i, I don't think a whole lot has changed. I think like they're better than we thought they would be in terms of the record. I think we're even more impressed by AJ Hinch than we had anticipated. But we thought, I mean, I said in February, I think he's the best manager in baseball. So it's not like, oh my God, AJ Hinch is a good manager. Like that, that box was already checked. We still have not gotten to and will not get to until this offseason the biggest questions. That's kind of where I want to start. Now, Tony, when you were here the first time, or not the first time, but the most mm-hmm. recent time in February, the first time for this baseball season covering sort of the context of this new era, quote unquote, with the Hinch thing. You were here and you had a clip that went by Spiro Avenue standards, kind of viral. It's got, I think, like 30,000 hits and a lot of people angry with both of us mm-hmm. in the comments. I don't know if you visited that recently, mm-hmm. but I want to play just a small clip of the clip where you commented on your disappointment, which I shared, by the way, with the prior offseason going into this year. And we're going to kind of revisit that. So let's just set the deck of where you were five or so months ago, and then we'll go from there. I've been uh, absolutely disappointed with with uh, what shape the rebuild has taken this offseason in that I don't think it's taken any shape at all. I think that they've done nothing, and, and I think this was the perfect time to strike. So I think they have the pieces, but uh, they haven't been as proactive as I would like to see them in, in, in filling in the holes and the gaps around because I think that this team, with some, with some good free agent signings and good moves, I think this team could be in contention in 2022. Now I don't believe that. I think this is a wasted offseason. I mean, based on that clip and the reaction you got, you would have thought that you went on the air and said Jerry Sandusky was innocent. Right. I mean, the reaction was really unbelievable. I'm curious. So, again, in February... Your opinion was clear, and I was with you. Mm-hmm. I'm curious. Obviously, 
the prior offseason is what it was. That You're not going to retroactively change that. But does your perspective, your outlook that the rebuild has gone basically nowhere, been changed at all, a little bit, a lot? Where do you land now? No. Well, first of all, I'm, I'm glad to see I wasn't wearing the same shirt. I always freak out. You know, like if you show up like six months later and they're wearing the same shirt, so I'm happy about that. Yeah, you're but good to go. Good. Um, no, I think that, that I think I'm kind of that proves things a little bit because look at where they are. I mean, this. I think I also said during that show that they weren't going to be very good this year. And I don't know if I said it here, but I said it other places for sure. But they were going to be interesting because we were going to see some of the pieces start to come up and, and you know, make an impact and see what they have from the young player perspective. And, I mean, you look at it, three consecutive winning months, um, the first time they've done that since 2016. Clearly, they have some young pieces that are pretty good. And if you started the rebuild or started the kickstart of the rebuild with the free agent signings this offseason, I think you'd be a step ahead of the game. Now, you, you know, look, that could all change in three, four months in this offseason. There are a ton of great free agents. And if the Tigers go crazy and, and sign a bunch of them, then, you know, they made up for last offseason. But I think they could have got the party started a little bit sooner and definitely been possible fringe contender next year. I still don't see them there uh, unless they just blow us away this offseason. I think that kind of proves my point, given where they are right now. I'm with you. And, like, the Tigers, when the Tigers finished uh, that little 7 nothing run, 7-0 run post-All-Star break, that was like a bat signal for every Detroit Tigers slappy to go to that Spiro Avenue clip for whatever reason. I mean, you can, you can fact check me on this. There's like 30 people that were bombing both of us, but mostly you, mm-hmm. saying, oh, what do you think now? How about now? I think I agree with what I said, I, I think given it proves, that where we are. That's what I said to Ben. Ben and I were talking about this two days ago. I'm like, he's more right now. I think so. Because what you outlined in February was, yeah, like they're not, they're farther along. This is the time that you start to exactly. do. It's the 04 was right. to 03. You start to, you know, you get the pudge and then you, mm-hmm. 05, it's Maglio, 06, it's Kenny Rogers. Like it was the time to start rolling. The fact that they're actually showing some life, I think affirms your point. I, I agree. I'm, I'm confused with anybody that would disagree with that. But then again, you know, I, I mean, that's a, you know, fans in this town are interesting and they, you know, they all have different opinions and, and some of them are weird. But I just think that I, I just think that makes total sense because if they started last off season, and they go on these runs that they've been on, uh, I mean they're they're closing in on five hundred. That's insane to me, given that we're the roster that they put out there in April. I mean, uh, if they added a free agent or two and then continued next, this off season with some big names, um, you know, I think they could contend next year. It's a weak division. I don't think the White Sox have the makings of a dynasty like a lot of people do. I think they're very good. But until they show it year in and year out, I mean, I'm not going to believe that. So it's there for the taking. Now, look, Chris Illich could go out, have an epiphany this offseason and spend, blow the doors off and buy everybody. And then, you know, then I'm wrong, you know, and, you know, so so to speak wrong, I guess. But uh, unless he does that, I think they're a year behind where they could be. I think that they're looking at 2023, 2024 still um, because of the inaction last offseason. Yeah. So, Scott, like I know. Not to speak for you, man, but like we're in this group chat. Well, you we, we, uh, well he can correct me, okay, Tony. This, you know, you, you sip your diet coke, calm down. Uh, just no, but we're in this group chat. We talk about this shit all the time, right? So, not to speak for you, Tony. Relax, he can correct me. But I think we were in lockstep back in February too. We were like, "What the fuck are they doing? This sucks!" Like we have it, just a great opportunity, as Tony said. I agreed with him at the time to do something. The name I kept throwing out there was Carlos Santana, who his OPS is like 200 points higher than Cabrera is like, just do, do something that you could win 
three, four, five more games, in which case they might be at 500. Like, I know we were pretty much in lockstep in February. Kind of like, is your viewpoint, your outlook any different? Or are you kind of where you were five months ago? I got to say probably in the same-ish area. It's, it's, it's very exciting to watch the development of these guys and, you know, the team start playing well May, June, July. Like you said, three straight rattled off months of over 500 baseball. So a lot of positive steps in the right direction, and that's exciting. But like Tony just brought up, guess what? Like we could even be knocking on the door even stronger and harder if we just would have made a couple moves, if the front office would have, you know, it didn't have to make a splash shot. He didn't have to go after necessarily good George Springer. But, you know, like you said, Carlos Santana, that he didn't sign for much. Eddie Rosario, he didn't play that well for Cleveland. But a guy like that, you got to do something a little bit more. And that's like I said, it's like we could be right on the doorstep. Who knows that the wild card would be tough. Well, that's to go the after, thing. If you're 500, you're you are in the wild card. We are, yeah, like by default, and we didn't have yeah. literally in the mix if you're it, right. if you're 500, and one guy makes the difference. 100. percent It's so, and it's a bummer too. I, I'm a little disappointed that another off season where the signings, the one year, you know, bargain signings, none of them turn into anybody who can flip at the deadline. We didn't. We weren't able to flip anybody. Like Daniel Norris, that was nothing. So it's a bummer that Avila keeps. Swinging and missing with those free agent signings because you can sign someone like a Tyler Anderson or you can find a guy, cheap starting pitcher. If they pitch well, you know, a 3.5 ERA, that's a valuable piece that someone, a contender, will give you something decent in return for. Not a, no, it doesn't need to be a blue chip prospect, but it can be something. I was called, of all things, the other day, an Alavio slappy, <laughs> and that Alavio was pulling the wool over my eyes, which wow. of all things I've been accused of in my life, like a slappy for Alavila. That that was a first and probably the last time that'll happen. But my argument was, and this isn't even his defense. It's just like, this is the reality. The Tigers picked a shitty time to be sellers a couple years ago in that couple year span. It's like, could you imagine the return? I, I refuse to believe that Alavila, when JD was traded, when, you know, Verlander actually at the time had a decent return, but when Upton was traded, that he had these standing offers for like a Jesus Lazardo who, okay, he struggled out of the gate. He's still a top 10 prospect like two days ago, basically. I, and just said he had that offer on the table and said, you know what? No, thanks. I want this guy who's going to retire Grayson Miller, whatever the fuck his name was from the Angels. Like, I just don't think that offer was out there. So you can crush Avila. I'm guessing the guy's not so incompetent that at the time they were selling off these pieces, he probably asked around. The only legitimate knock I would say is the return for J.D. Martinez was shitty. And what was it, Tony, like two or three weeks before the deadline? It was two weeks before, which was always confusing to me. Um, but I've had multiple people in the organization insist to me that there wasn't the market for him that we would have thought, which is shocking to me. I don't know if I believe that, but I've had multiple people tell me that. Um, he was basically a DH. Um, so that limited, even though he went to the National League. Um, he crushed it for Arizona. 29 home runs no, in like I mean, 56 games. It it's it. remarkable, you know, that, uh, you know, they, they did have some bad timing. Um, you know, back when Dombrowski was the general manager, and, um, you know, I hate to compare Dombrowski to Avila because it's done all the time and it's unfair because Dombrowski had an open checkbook and, you know, he could do whatever he wanted and do no wrong in Mike Gillich's eyes. So there's no comparison there. Um, I, I have to believe if Al Avila was given everything Dombrowski was, that we'd see better returns from Al Avila too. But, um, back when Dabrowski was the general manager, though, things are different. I mean, teams are willing to part more willingly with, with prospects. And, and the Tigers got bad in an era where that shifted like, like a light switch. Like it was over. Like teams didn't want to give up the world for rentals for, you know, they just didn't want to do that anymore. 
Um, didn't make fiscal sense. And and so the Tigers had some bad timing there. They also got unlucky with Verlander. Um, they ended up getting a pretty good package at the time for him. But, you know, you look, there was four teams that Verlander wanted to go to, or three teams that Verlander wanted to go to, and the Yankees, the Cubs, and the Dodgers. Uh, the Yankees didn't want to spend. They thought he was over over the hill. The Cubs didn't have the prospects. If you look at their, they didn't have anything. Um, and the Dodgers screwed up. I mean, they absolutely screwed up. If they could have a do-over, they would do it. They would take Verlander, obviously. They might have won the World Series, probably would have won the World Series. And I think that that's a big reason that led to Max Scherzer being acquired by the Dodgers. I think they realized they screwed up a few years ago. It was bad timing in a lot of ways for the Tigers um, when, they, when they sold off these pieces, and that set them back a little bit. Um, you know, the book's still out on a couple guys and, um, you know, there's a couple double A pitchers that came over in some of these deals, but it was a lot of bad timing. Very unfortunate. Um, if they made these trades in the Dabrowski era, you know, teams more willing to give up the world, I think it'd be a different story. I mean, oh, sorry, go ahead. I'm going to say, I don't want to butt in, but would you say the pendulum might be swinging back in the other direction where, you know, you know, those years where we were selling Mm -hmm. off the pieces in 16, 17, 18, that was like the teams weren't ready, willing to give up any of those prospects. It looked like this. At least for me, this trade deadline was one of the more active ones we've ever seen across the landscape of baseball. Yeah. Our team starting to maybe just did we just get really unlucky with our timing. The Tigers of when we needed to sell off those pieces, just the teams were not willing to do it. Do you think the pendulum might start to go back the other way? Obviously not back to what it was. 10, well, I think it, I think it, ago, but. I think you saw it the trade deadline this year with all the pieces moved for the big names and um, and all that. And I think it should. I mean, because, you know, look, I mean, prospects are great, but. You know, there's only such, and we've seen this in Detroit, there's a small window to win a World Series. It's so very difficult to do. Um, you know, the Tigers haven't won one since 84. They had this eight, nine-year stretch that they should have won one uh, and didn't get it done. They're not the only team in baseball that's had a good run of baseball and not gotten a World Series. It's very hard to do. So I think that it is swinging back in that direction, and for good reason, because it's so difficult. When you have your chance, you need to go get it and, and do everything you can to do it. So uh, it is. And unfortunately for the Tigers, for that three-year window, um, teams had a different outlook on things. Yeah, and so. it was like a three-year period in, I mean, I've, I've only been alive paying attention to this stuff for not even 30 years, but like the rest of my entire life, guys were paying for rentals. And it's like there was they, their sell-off aligned perfectly when the entire market changed. Mm-hmm. And that they were not, it's not because Alvio is an idiot. He may be, You may think he's an idiot for other reasons, but not because of that, because it's not like these rental guys were getting huge packages all around the league and Alvio was this outlier. That was the market or lack thereof at that time. That part's just like a bummer. I mean, I don't know what else can you really do. And I agree with you, by the way, the pendulum swung way too far the other way. Mm-hmm. And we've talked about this, Scott. Like if I'm sitting there with a chance to win, I don't mean six games back of the wild card or four. Like I'm in the lead for the division or I'm pretty safely in the postseason and I have a good team. And I have a guy with like a 580 OPS at second base. I would trade, I'm not saying a top five prospect, but a real guy for Jonathan Scope. Like if I can get like a real guy to plug that hole in the lineup. So for sure. I don't know. I mean, well, you take your chance when you can. Yeah. I mean, we were the, as Tigers fans and followers of the team for so many years, we were contenders. We, you know, we would trade a guy like Jacob Turner, that pitcher. It's like we, those prospects. Yeah. Some of them pan out, but one, guess what? A lot of them don't pan out. And you want to go for it. Like we were taking the point, like you have the window of opportunity to win a world series and be a real contender for it. It's going to be really, really small. Mm-hmm. So go for it all in. I would always be as a, as rooting for a contending team that go for it, spend, spend the, you know, spend the prospect capital, get me a real player, whether it's a pitcher, outfielder, infielder, whatever it is, whatever just need you need, 
I I feel I feel like you should really like Tony said go you, all you in. Have to. And and, go the, all in. and the Dodgers are a perfect example. If they didn't win the World Series last year, they would be ruining passing up on Verlander until they won one. Because they everyone in that organization knows they screwed up. Uh, I'm not going to get Verlander and it ended up being that he went to the team that beat him, you know, and and won the World Series. You have to take those opportunities. And again, if the Dodgers didn't win Last year, they'd be talking about this for years. Now they want to win again. What do they do? They go get they go get the stud guy in Scherzer and and Trey Turner. So um, I think you're starting. It's just so difficult in baseball. More than you know, I mean, all sports are difficult to win championships. But as we've seen in Detroit, you can have the greatest team. 2013 was one of the best teams in baseball in the last 20 years, and they didn't win a World Series. And you got to take your shots. Well, the past has been. Belabored enough, and it is <laughs> so hard to belabor because it's been a depressing past. But we have to look into the future, which is maybe as depressing. I guess that remains to be seen. I mean, that's part of the concern that I have. So I want to go here. So this is a guy who we have said has the best hair in the state of Michigan, not just for sports writers, but period. Evan Petzold from the Detroit Free Press, talented guy. He had an article this week talking about Basically, the onus on ownership to step up. So this was an excerpt from this article. Quote, A.J. Hinch and Al Avila sound ready to win, but they're not the only people responsible for the future. Christopher Illich needs to allow Avila to spend money in free agency this offseason to add top-tier talent. Avila has to capitalize on his choices with those funds, assuming they're provided. Here we go. So we are... (laughs) couple months away from this offseason being underway uh, in some fashion. I mean, we're, we're not that far away. It's going to come up soon. And this is a reporter that we know we've had on this show that was interviewing Avila, was interviewing A.J. Hinch. They are indicating, look, we want to be buyers at the next deadline. Like, they're done with the rebuild. This is considered the last year of us not being in some mindset of we're trying to win a title. Not saying they're going to do it. Not saying they think they're going to do it. Starting next year, they, there's no reading between the lines. They said it. No more of this. But we're still hanging in the air. Will Chris Silich spend? Evan mentioned it kind of around roundabout way three or four different times in that one paragraph alone. He needs to step up. Chris Silich needs to do this. It, will he give them the ammunition they need? Will the money be there? To me, it's borderline appalling that this isn't a settled science resolve thing, that Chris Illich hasn't gone in front of everybody and made it very clear that he stands with those two guys enough's enough in some fashion. You don't have to say I'm spending X amount of dollars because no owner would ever do that, but some sign that, look, my top two lieutenants in this organization are on record saying enough's enough. I need the owner to say enough's enough because A.J. Hinch, thinking it's time, doesn't matter. Alvila thinking it's time doesn't matter. Doesn't matter any more than us thinking it's time. I, I'm I'm curious where you guys land because I've been very consistent. I I think we all agree with what Evan said, with what everyone's insinuating. None of this matters, including the rebuild, the prospects being good, baseball America being so impressed. None of this matters at all if Chris Illich doesn't do his part. If I had to say right now, I'm sitting here with two good friends of mine, what I think's gonna happen. I don't think he's going to do it. I do not think he's going to do it. I don't think he's going to spend in the way we expect him to spend. So I'm like, it's crazy that we're still wondering. This should be settled. To me, it's obvious. It's time. Where do you land? Start with Tony. 
Do you have any faith that he's going to step up? Because we have no assurances whatsoever at this point. No, I, we've talked about it before. Until you, until you see tangible evidence that he'll follow through on anything he said, and don't want to get into the whole District Detroit crap, but that's all that we have, and there is no District Detroit, although they're trying to sell it as the whole town is District Detroit now. Um, they have these banners up, and I mean, there's no District Detroit. So that's what we have to go on, and he hasn't followed through on that. Now, the baseball team, different story. When the time is right, that's the quote, right? When the time is right, we're going to spend. Well, the time is clearly right. I think you could ask any knowledgeable baseball person in this town, outside this town, that the time is is right. This is a team that, with a move last offseason, would be fringe contenders for a wild card right now with more prospects coming up next year. Uh, more free agent pieces would possibly and probably should be a contender next year. So um, do I have faith? Uh, I mean, no. But um, if he doesn't spend this offseason, there's just going to be hell to pay with, with, the, with the fan base, which is, by the way, is from a season ticket point of view, and that's where the money is for these teams with their tickets. They want season ticket holders, which at their peak during the, the heyday of 2012, 13 and all that was like 25, 30,000 season tickets, which is massive. I mean, right now they won't tell us what it is, but season tickets are so low now that for the first time ever, they're opening up the tiger club to everybody. They used to be a season ticket perk. Now it's like, you can go. Anybody can go. You buy a $5 ticket, you can go. I mean, that should tell you how low the season ticket base is. If they don't do anything in this offseason, I mean, it'll just continue to plummet. And, you know, they'll be, continue to lose interest. And um, it's, it's time. I mean, if they don't, there's no excuse. I mean, Lynn Henning, we did a podcast a couple months ago. He believes, and we've talked about it on the show, he believes there's going to be one, probably two major signings this offseason, which I believe there should be. I'm not sure that I believe there will be, but I think there should be. He believes there will be, and I asked him, I said, well, what if there's not? What if the same thing? And he goes, then it's time for Chris Illich to sell the team. Wow, Wynn said that. Yeah, and that's, I'm shocked. And that's the reality. I mean, if you're not going to invest now, when are you going to invest in this team? By the way, your books are as clean as they're going to be. You got one contract on the book with Miguel Cabrera. I mean, you could go out. This team could go out. Now, I'm not saying they go do what Mike Illich did when he was spending $200 million and they were losing $50 million a year on average, and he didn't care. I'm not saying you do that. It's still a business. I get it. But with Miguel Cabrera being the only contract on the books, you can go out this offseason and realistically spend $80, $85 million on next year's payroll alone, enthuse the fan base, sell season tickets, and you'll at least you'll make a profit if this team is, is any good. You will. And so... That it's laid out there for you what you should be doing. I mean, everyone knows it, but you know, it's like with anything. I mean, you someone can say they're going to do something over and over and over again. You know, it's like you can tell your wife you're going to mow the lawn, but until you actually mow the lawn, then the lawn still needs to be what, mowed. What's she been saying to you, man? You've been talking to her. I, I'm just saying, I mean, until you know, people could tell you something over and over, but until they show it, it's hard to, hard to have faith. But it should yep. be this offseason, especially when you look at the list of people that they could get. Um, the time is now. There clearly is enough talent on this roster to warrant additions. There clearly is enough talent looming in AAA and AA to warrant additions. Well, we've been getting kicked yeah. in the nuts for half a decade. And the refrain has been, look, we know it sucks. 
Like, put your cup on because we're going to kick you in the nuts another three or four times before this is over. And I was fine with that until last offseason. I'm with you. Because you could see some of the pieces. Exactly. You knew Mize was going to come up. You you, you didn't know what you were going to get. I don't think anybody thought that he'd come out this good. I mean, right away. We've been beyond patient. I was ready for the rebuild. I was fine with it. No, everyone had – the rebuild had to happen. It was just like, you know, it probably – they probably waited too long and not as long as the Oh four Pistons rebuild, you know, or whatever, yeah. but they probably waited too long. The rebuild had to happen. I don't think anyone disagrees with that, but um, it's, it's time. I mean, the pieces are there to, to make a run at this thing. Lynn's quote was that we discussed in February was it was inevitable. Right. That was the, that was the exact word that it, and, and when, I mean, he, I, you he doesn't can, write that without sources it, either. Exactly where I was going. Lynn, you can you can dislike Lynn. Lynn is talking to someone when he says that. So for him to say it's inevitable, not likely, not he thinks it's time, he agrees it's time. It's inevitable. I don't need to pull out Webster's. We know what that means. It's a given that they're going to sign multiple elite free agents, not multiple mid-tier, multiple elite, which means to me, Multiple guys making at least 15. I mean, I don't even think 15 is elite, but like if we're going to compromise here, I mean, Scott will bring you in on this. Like to me, I still have no faith. I'm going to get to in a second what I think they're actually going to do and how they're going to frame that. But like, where are you at with this? Because I don't have any faith. My fear, I have, my, I have a fear. And it's so I think Verlander, like there's the writings on the wall, read the tea leaves. He's, he wants to come back. Mutual mutual interest is there between ownership. It'll sell tickets like Tony just brought up. We want those season ticket holders. That will be the move. Guess what? A 39-year-old starting pitcher coming off of Tommy John surgery cannot be the move. It can't be. And I'm scared that that's what Chris Illich is going to do, knowing that, one, he doesn't have to pay him long-term. It is not going to be a five- or six- or seven-year deal. It can be short-term. He knows the fans will get excited about it. And guess what? You're not going to be committing any more money, and it's you're going to get the season ticket holders to come back because it's Verlander. You put them on all the billboards. You put them on all the advertisements. That's not it, though. We we need more. You need more. It cannot just be Verlander and a bunch of little more Robbie Grossmans. And this that's not it. We need you got to have one big bat. You got to have go get me a big bullpen arm. Go get me another starter. Go get me another elite starter. It cannot just be Verlander. That's my fear. That's when Lynn Henning's sourcing. I think that's. That might be ownership's plan. We're going to get Verlander, and guess what? The fans are going to be happy. We're going to shut them up. We're going to put, you know, like a little baby. We're going to put the pacifier in the mouth. They're going to stop criticizing us, And but that's not enough. We're in lockstep. I I think everyone in this room agrees. We've said for a while we think Verlander's coming back. His brother is basically, Ben Verlander is basically... Said well, it Tony show. and I have been saying this for like two years. No, I, I, mean, I, I, I have a told, source that I was says told the that. day after he was traded to the Astros that, that told me he'll be back. Yeah. Be why? Back after, he'll be you back had it before I career. did. Yeah, <laughs> the day after. Yeah. And, and, he, and the source is like, why? Fans, I know they're upset, but he'll be back. He'll finish his career here. I, I, I think, think that's, so, that's a no doubter. I agree. I think that's, uh, to use Lynn's <laughs> favorite term, inevitable. As close to inevitable as it can get. I, you know, barring some setback in his rehab. But I agree with Scott. And that's where I was going to go. To me, in Chris Illich's mind, and for all the reasons you laid out, he can give you Verlander. Here's your teddy bear. And it's going to be expensive. He's not going to sign for $6 million. So he can say, look, I signed a big ticket guy that you all wanted. And what Detroit Tigers fan, other than maybe the, the couple that are in this room, I don't know if Tony's a reporter and divorces himself, but us two, is going to be thrilled with that. Like, I, I mean, probably most of them. Like, you and I may be the outlier. I think 
I'm like, I'd be thrilled with Verlanders if it's if it's part of no, a no, bigger. No, no, I'm not saying not sign him. I'm yeah. saying that is the the move, and then you yeah. use use Robbie Grossman. Like the rest of the guys are making six million, eight million dollars a year. That's I think that's exactly what's going to happen. So much so that I would be very surprised if that's not exactly how it plays out. Here's Verlander. The fans are going to eat it up because I'm sorry, sports fans are not the most intelligent lot. Like no, they they're all, not, they're not. But and I was going to say that Tiger fans, um, compared to other sports fans, aren't aren't completely stupid. That's fair. All right, they're they're not dumb. They know that Verlander is going to be 39 or 40 or whatever. You know, they know that he's not the savior. He's not the pitcher he was. Um, I, I actually, I said I didn't have any faith be- until I see something, but I would be stunned if that's all they do. I really I, I, hold on. I don't mean all, but you think there's no, I any, mean, I mean, that wouldn't be, that, gonna be, that wouldn't be the holes. marquee move. It can't be the marquee. Move. Well, I agree with you on can't, mm-hmm. will it be? I think it will. Maybe we'll, we'll bet a, you know, a bats on it or something that that's going to be their top dollar guy, like average annual value. I would bet money Gun on to my head. That's how I, much would he get? An average value coming off Tommy. Well, John, assuming all the medicals 40. check out, he's yeah. throwing well. Three, three for sixty, two for forty, maybe. I would say, I would two, say twenty million range. I was going to say the same thing. Two yeah. for forty is exactly what I was going to say. I, you know, you know, a third maybe Option it can trigger. Yeah, like triggers with yeah. a certain performance or whatever. So I, I'm going to weigh it out because everyone could talk about I'll spend when the time's right. Okay, when's the time and what's spend mean? Spend can mean anything. But I don't like to be in this gray area on this show in particular. I like to get people down. I like to get myself on the record. Here's the bar, and you either miss it, meet it, or surpass it. So here's my bar, and we're calling it Justin's bare minimum offseason. Bare minimum. Anything below this type of commitment, go to hell. That's where I'm at. Bring Justin Verlander home. Should happen. We'll feel good about it. I actually think if of all those late 30s guys that end up coming off Tommy John and fail, the one that succeeded was like R.A. Dickey throwing knuckleballs. I actually think Verlander is such a freak. He is he, a physical freak. He can buck if anybody. Yes, absolutely. absolutely. I, I think he'll be good. That's the first one. Bring Verlander home. Sign a premier shortstop. I don't even care which one it is. I have a preference. I have a list. But look, if you get your third choice, I'm not going to kill Chris Illich. Like, other guys are bidding too. At least the commitments there. Correa. Seager, I think, is probably going to re-up. The Dodgers have this printing money out there. I'm not a big Baez guy, but Baez, you have to give me a premier middle infielder. There's like six of them out there. Mm. And then the third component, spend $8 million plus on another free agent, which is not that much. That's like a middle, lower middle class free agent at this point. This is the bare minimum, not what I'm hoping for. The bare minimum. If they don't bring Verlander back, Sign an elite shortstop and spend like on one other solid, you know, fifth starter or a very good bullpen arm. Fuck off. Go to hell. And, and look, that's all tied into, I sat here for five years. I let you kick me in the mouth after you wouldn't fix your bullpen the 10 years prior. And that cost you probably two titles. We've all been patient. I'm curious, Tony, you saw where I'm at. That's my bare minimum. Do you think that's fair? Forget what they're going to do. Do you think that's a fair expectation? Am I asking way too much? No, that, I think that's dead on. You have to go get a shortstop. I mean, look, let's go with the assumption you're going to sign Verlander. I think, you know, Verlander came out in the free press and made it clear and that that's probably going to happen, um, like, like you said, with all the medicals. Um, they have to have a shortstop. And, there's, and especially this offseason where you have your, cho- your choice of really good shortstops. Correa, I think it was very interesting when – you know, AJ Hinch hinted that, you know, maybe we shouldn't 
boo Carlos Correa Tigers fans. You know, I thought that was a pretty telling comment that A.J. Hinch possibly sees a reunion with Carlos Correa in Detroit. Um, And then, yeah, I mean, I think you're asking for too little. The $8 million, I mean, I just look at that as, all these one-year guys that haven't panned out that we've signed for the I last. I said bare minimum. Yeah, I guess that's fine. I, I think it should. I think your minimum should be higher than that. Honestly, I think it should be double it. I think I it tried to be 15. reasonable. I think it should be the shortstop. I think it should be Verlander, and I think it should be another top-tier, borderline one-two-tier player at some position. Um, you know, you go get a bullpen arm. I think they have. You know, if they don't sign a bullpen arm, I'm okay with. It. I think they have some arms in this system, you know, where I think that they're okay. You need offense. I mean, like we talked about at the beginning of the uh, beginning of the season, if you took the starting opening day lineup and you went around who was part of the rebuild, who was part of the future, and you had a hard time picking out anybody. Um, I, now I think you can pick out Candelario might be a guy that sticks around, you know, a couple others here and there, but you still need offense. You go get some more. You know, I was looking, and I mentioned it before the show, you could just, Bring the bold band back together. <laughs> you could go sign if you wanted. If you wanted, you go sign Justin Verlander. You go sign Max Scherzer. And if Nick Castellanos and JD Martinez decide to opt out of their contracts, bring them in. You know, I would start like those four would be, or four oh, like that oh, would be where I, where where you should be because you miss the you miss the opportunity this past. What's off in season. that cup? Yeah. Come on, this is Diet even, Coke. Even I don't I, drink anymore. This is just Diet Coke. But you have oh. the money. I you know, have the but, money, and you have a team that can contend sooner than we thought, and you have pieces coming up from the minors. You're probably going to see Torkelson in green next year. Yeah, um, you, know, you, you can do it. And Chris Illich and the Illich family is not hurting for money. If they want you know, to, you know, I'm telling you, if they just do the Verlander thing, like you mentioned, Tiger fans, while some of them hate my guts and think I'm an idiot, and that's fine, I've been called worse, they're... They're relatively smart when you factor in other towns' baseball fans. Tiger fans aren't stupid. That Verlander's not going to cut it for them. It's not going to sell a ton of season tickets. To sell season tickets, you need to have moves on the level of, a, of the Prince Fielder signing back in the day, of the Miguel Cabrera sign, trade back in the day. That's when the phones ring up, and that's when you sell tickets. Verlander's just not going to do that. And if this is a business, and Chris Illich clearly, is, clearly treats it as a business and not a pet project like his dad did, uh, it's about making money, and the only way they're going to do that is if they get big-time names that sell tickets. I disagree. I think that fans will, because they'll market it the right way. They'll say, they'll market, they all the young guys. In 2003, they marketed Alan Trammell and Lance Parrish and Kirk Those Gibson. guys were in the dugout. I, 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 I understand say, that. They but, can say, they can say we got Verlander, here's Torkelson, Riley Green, they're on the cusp. That's it, and then the, I swear fans will eat that up. I, I know they will. Scott. I'm not saying 100 percent. I, 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 I just, be just I give Tiger fans too much credit then because I just don't think they're that stupid. I really don't. I, I mean, that's where we disagree. I'm with this. you. I I think that's going to make everyone feel super warm and fuzzy. I'm just trying yes. to get the fans back on my side after they've written <laughs> me over that last video. The comments are not pretty. Well, you have a weird way of showing it coming on this show because apparently <laughs> when you when you show up here, all respect is lost from Joe I, shit the ragman 3287. I think that your bare minimum is with the bare minimum of what they're going to do. I really believe. That. Really, I really believe that. Really, so you feel extremely confident. That they're going to do my bare minimum. Why would Chris Illich? I would take that up front. Why does Chris Illich? How do we get? He doesn't deserve that. He doesn't. I I agree with you, and I've mentioned it many times that I just until you see it. Those parking lots, man. Those parking lots. The parking lots are great. If you need a place to park, (laughs) Detroit is your place. 
I'm telling you, in and out. You know, I just, <laughs> wanted, I just wanted one luxury condo, one nice restaurant, one no. little boutique. I was promised shop. like six villages. No, I'm hoping oh, for the, one block of all. No, the, the artist renderings are great. They were yes, great, man. That guy, um, the artist rendering, whoever made those, whoever made those, oh, needs beautiful. A, it's wild. Like, and and if you send him in like arrears, yeah. like get him more money, like for this, that's an incredible. Well, if you've job. been to Detroit lately too, it's like they now have the District Detroit banners up on street posts. But they keep stretching it. Like they just start. They keep putting them in places where there's already cool shit. Like right. where they they start. They put the District Detroit banners where the Hudson site is. I mean, <laughs> that's not it was supposed to be District Detroit. It was supposed like to be Marsh's ice rink. Like Seriously. oh, it was District Detroit. Yeah, like, that's yeah. what they've done though. If you you go, I they're on the street post. No, they I haven't have, seen yes, that either. I've it's been. ridiculous. Is it, is it Cuba or Brazil that like paints their walls like really nice colors when they're in like? Total poverty to try to like dress it up. It uh, seems like the first world of that. incredible. Like yeah, but I, I I don't have the faith. But of all the situation they're in now, the whole that when the time is right, you can't look at this team and this situation and not say now is the time to do it. Especially when you have clean books. Your books are so clean. Other than the Cabrera deal, I mean, any other organization in baseball would kill to have the financial flexibility that the Tigers will and should have. Um, you have that, and you have a team that looks like they could contend. It's the re- Fans are sick of the rebuild. It, you've already lost the season ticket base to an extreme. They won't even tell us. They've never told us exactly, but you can be pretty sure that there's maybe a couple thousand season ticket holders right now. And if you want that to continue, then do nothing. But I just don't, I, I think that he's got to be smarter at business. And this is a business to him, smarter businessman than that. I don't think he's very smart. I think that's the pride. Chris Illich, I think he's just a lived off his dad's, you know, success and ventures. And now he's sitting here with, you know, he's, he's inexperienced. Look at the way he handled the district of Detroit. Like you said, we don't want to go on to the whole nitty gritty with all that stuff, but it's like, Hey, this guy, he, I think he's trying to cut any corner he can. And if he knows that he can cut a corner, Verlander, fans, boom, no, we, cheap. Yeah. And yeah. I think he's cheap. I think he's a liar. I think he's, I, I mean, I, I, I can go full scorched earth if we want to, but I, I, I have I no faith in Chris I Illich. And I, you are right. You are spot on. This is the time. Right. We have to lock you. in. Yeah. It's just, I don't trust him to right. do it. But like, here's what we talked about in February also. You don't bring in A.J. Hinch if you don't make the assurances that you're going to spend to build a contender. Oh, you don't take $320 million in public funds, sit in front of the city board and say, look at this pretty picture. I can give you this. If you give me that check, here's the check and then tell them to fuck themselves. But that happened too. Well, so, and that not, was, a, he's not the, he's not the first sports team owner to take hundreds of millions of dollars from city. He's not even the first in this town. Um, I get it. It's sick. I mean, the district Detroit thing is garbage. No question. And that's all we have to go on right now. But if you're going to be a legitimate sports owner, we're going to see. And, yeah, and you we'll might be, be right. We'll find out. You might argument. be right. We don't think he is. We'll, we'll, that, and that's we'll find out in less than six minutes. And like I said, I don't have all the faith in the world. Because, again, District Trade is bullshit. And um, he hasn't proven anything. He hasn't proven to be an, a hands-on owner like his dad was. Um, I don't have the faith that he'll do it. But common sense tells me that if you're going to do it, it's going to be now. And to Lynn's point, if he doesn't, it's time to bag this and sell the team for a billion bucks and get out of the business. Yeah, and Lynn is not the type to tar and feather anybody. He's very measured. So for him to say yeah, that. Yeah, he told me that on the podcast a couple months ago because I asked him, you know, because it was right after we had talked. And so I asked him the same questions. And he's like, they're going to sign. They're going to sign. They're going to sign. And I said, what if they don't? And he says, then he has to sell the team. And I mean, he's right. I mean, if you're right. not going to spend now, why are you in the business? I mean, you're not making money hand over fist with this team. 
You know, if you're not selling tickets, I mean, they do have a nice TV deal and all that stuff, but you know, eventually, I mean, there's going to be nobody in the stands, nobody. Yeah. And it won't be because of a pandemic because you're a shitty owner <laughs> and, and you haven't done what you said, promise, whatever that you said you'll do. I mean, the rebuilds in year five, I mean, some could argue it's year six, some could argue it's year four, depending on your definition, but the pieces are there. I mean, open your eyes. If you don't see that, well, then you, then you guys will be proven right. But yeah. I, I, I don't have the faith, but I have just common sense tells me that if you're a sports owner worth billions of dollars, that this would probably be the time you would invest. Oh, yeah, more than time. So we've talked Tony before in the past, and I think Scott as well. To me, it's always been about the two pillars. So if you, if you buy that this thing's going to go well, big picture, you have to believe in two things, and you can't have just one. You need both. Chris Illich is going to spend, not like Mike, but just spend. No, he's not going to spend like Mike. No. And I, but he doesn't have to. He doesn't, doesn't have, have to. to. But he's going to spend to a middle market level. You need that, and you need to spend wisely. Mm-hmm. So those are the two pillars. And we've talked about it to death. Alvila did have a big check, blank checkbook for one offseason. It was Mike Pelfrey and Jordan Zimmerman and Mark Lowe and everyone else that makes you want to just run for the razor blades. It was bad. Okay, so uh, there was no question to me that I've seen nothing from him since, but he did only get one chance at this to do it right. So I still have no faith in the guy. Nothing I've seen nothing to change that. I mean, Badu, good on you. Obviously, he's made a couple of nice moves. That little guy, Eric, behind the dish is looking pretty good. But big picture, still not a, a believer in this. I don't like what I'm seeing big picture. I don't understand why he was extended in the first place based on nothing and why there's like, no heat around this guy whatsoever. Anytime he's mentioned, at least by me on Twitter, half the replies are like, this is the offseason. You got to fire him. There's no chance that happens. None. Like, I, Tony, you, you're pretty plugged in. Like, we agree it's not going to happen. Why isn't there any heat on this guy? It's the most inexplicable job security we've seen in this town since Matt Millen. I don't get it. Where does it come from? <coughs> You say, why was he extended? It was very curious because I was at the ballpark that day. I was covering the team that day. And they're like, oh, yeah, press conference, you know. And then Al Avila gets up there to announce his own extension, <laughs> which no Chris Illich. Avila has to get up there and announce it himself, which was so bizarre. <laughs> it never happened before. I mean, seriously, like no Chris Illich. It was just, so why did they do that? Well, what if Illich came in that day and said, you're out. I'm hiring this guy. Then what? Then the heat's on Illich. And then the expectation is that they're going to spend right then, start turning this thing around and making huge moves. Clearly, Chris Illich wasn't ready to do that yet. So by extending Avila, you extend that window of lowered expectations of when they're actually going to start doing something, right? To me, that's why it was done. Um, As far as why there's no heat now, again, look, and we've talked about this before. Avila made some of the great trades in Dombrowski's history. Okay, Dombrowski got credit for a lot of them. Avila pulled a lot of them off. He was the one who got them done. Um, there's clearly uh, uh, some talent scouting that he's, you know, he's very good at. Um, his past, anyway, his history it shows that. He's got a track record of that. Wasn't he the one that was J.D. Martinez? That was yeah. like he, he got J.D. Right? Martinez, but he pulled off the deal, pulled off the deal for uh, Fulmer. Sure. Um, he, you know, he pulled off a couple. He was really the key behind the Cabrera deal. Um, you know, as far as negotiating those prospects. So he, he did a lot of that stuff that uh, a lot of the fans just, you know, assume everything was done by Dombrowski and that's fine. That's what happens when you're the main guy. But um, 
you know, why there's not more heat on them now. Again, um, I think a couple of reasons. One, there's apathy. Two, um, the, the apathy is starting to go away, though. You're starting to see the fans. I mean, when, shit, when they won seven games in a row, you thought that they were going to win the World Series um, after the All-Star break. I mean, I, I haven't seen that kind of enthusiasm for Tiger fans in five years. Um, so, and the other thing is, is why there's no less heat on him is, just, again, unfairly or not, you can compare him to Dabrowski. He just hasn't, he's been given a tenth to work with of what Dabrowski had to work with. I mean, that's not even hyperbole. I mean, he's just been given nothing to work with other than that one off season where Mike Illich tra- changed his mind and said, oh, we're going to spend one more time. And they, you know, they, they picked poorly. Although in, in his credit, he was able to dump the Justin Upton contract uh, off on the Angels. So. He did pull that off, which I thought was a modern miracle as well. But um, we'll see. I honestly think the extension, though, was about Chris Illich lowering expectations. Because if you make a move and you go bring in whoever, you know, name, you know, say you bring in Theo Epstein, well, then the expectation is we have to spend now. Yeah, that's a and, great point. And, and uh, they weren't, clearly Illich wasn't ready to do that. He wasn't even ready to announce himself that Avila had been extended. So he clearly wasn't ready to start, um, you know, investing big in this ball club. That was so odd when that happened. It reminds me. It was me, strange. It, it was like a cousin of when Rick Carlisle attended his own firing press conference with Joe Dumars <laughs> in 03. It's like, yeah, you know, Rick came here today to announce that we're letting them go. It's right. like, what the fuck? It never happened before or since. But I want to transition to this last Tigers topic before we get to our speed round, which is always riveting and fun. It, I don't always, wanna, it gets longer and longer, too. Well, especially when Justin Rogers is That's here. That's what I heard. You said that was like the whole show. It was like an hour and a half. I mean, it's like a three-hour show. Like two and a half hours is a speed round. But, yeah, I, you know, I like Justin, though, because he's on the short list of guys that will call me stupid on my own show, which I really like. I like guys. He's not afraid to call anybody stupid. Oh, he's hilarious. Yeah, he's, I love he's Justin. He's a good guy. He's a, he's a great, great reporter, great yeah. writer, great guy. And But anyone that's willing to, like, sit in my basement and be like, you're a moron. Like, you know what you're talking about? You go up in my book, even if I disagree. Like, I, I love him. But anyway, so we'll get to that in a second. But I want to hit a little bit on Jackson Joe because I've barely touched it on my show. And I want to be able to, five years from now, pull a clip from tonight and be like, aha, I told you so. I hope I'm wrong, but I told you so. I want to talk about the ugly scene generally of drafting high school pitchers early. If you don't know who Jackson Job is, third overall pick a couple weeks ago in the draft for the Tigers. Sort of off board for what was expected. They were expected to take Marcel Mayer or Jordan Lawler, both shortstops in high school. So I want to paint the picture. So this is just a snapshot. The first high school pitcher taken in the MLB draft, we did a 10-year snapshot. I think 2017, that guy's, you know, those guys are still like 21, 22. It's a little, a little soon. So we'll rip through it really quick. 07, again, first high school pitcher taken in each of these respective drafts. 07, Jared Parker, two MLB seasons, two Tommy John surgeries, retired. 2008, Ethan Martin was in for a cup of coffee for the big leagues, almost an ERA of six. Matt Hobegood never even pitched in the major leagues in 09. Uh, 2010, I always fuck up his name, Jamison Talon, five MLB seasons. He's currently in the New York Yankees rotation, so he's actually a success story, relatively speaking. Scott Anderson's favorite player, Dylan Bundy, 2011, six MLB seasons, ERA damn near five. I mean, he's in the league, but he's not good. He pukes on the mound. That guy, I hate that. I hate he's, that he sucked. Max Freed, 2012, uh, first high school pitcher taken. Another success story, four MLB, MLB seasons, ERA of 372. Not a star, but good. 2013, Cole Stewart, 21 Major League Baseball games, ERA damn near five. Brady Aiken, 2014, never pitched in the Major Leagues. 
Kobe Allard, 2015, three MLB seasons, ERA over six. And then finally, we'll finish Ian Anderson, a relative success story currently in the Atlanta rotation ERA of 356 for his career. So of those 10, you have zero all-star game appearances. So none. And this was like the top high school guy in all those drafts. You have two and a half, three that are like in rotations, pitching pretty well. There's no stars. But a couple guys that are solid, they're above average. No stars out of all those guys. And third overall pick, you're hoping to get a star. So I want to transition to Tom Verducci, one of the top respected baseball writers in the world of SI at the time, although he's been at The Athletic, he's been NBC's been all over. So this was a couple years ago. He was talking about the disaster of drafting these kids. Quote, major league teams keep wasting first-round picks on 18-year-old kids who throw harder than major league pitchers, which is like hitching a ride with a kid with a learner's permit behind the wheel of a Formula One race car and hoping nothing goes wrong. Their still-developing bodies just aren't equipped to handle the forces of extreme velocity over and over again. And that was lifted from an article, by the way, that had a detailed data report on how disastrous these picks tend to be in the first round. These guys have more Tommy John surgery than any demographic by a, a country mile. It's not even close. They're way beyond the college pitchers. So he fits the profile, Jackson Job, guy throwing 99, has hit 100. Of all these guys blowing out their arms once they advance closer to the major leagues or basically as soon as they get there, I, I just I don't buy the pick as a wise pick. The guy may be the most talented player in all the draft, obviously, obviously rooting for him. But I have to look at the data. We, we took a snapshot there. Verducci, if you want to look up his article in SI a couple years ago, really brilliant in detail. I don't buy it. I would have taken one of the high school shortstop. I, I think it was clearly the riskiest move on the board doing exactly what they did. Like, Tony, am I just being curmudgeon, cynical, uh, Spiro Avenue show Justin here? Like, where do you land on the Jackson Joe pick? Well, I, I understand the concerns. I also have, I also understand that, you know, there's an awful lot of Major League Baseball draft experts on something that is such a crapshoot. In, I mean, every pick in the, in the first round of the Major League Baseball draft, there's no, sur- there's no sure thing. Um, it's the one sport that, you know, you just don't see guys. You, you see guys not pan out more than pan out out of the, even the first round. So um, I get the concern. I, um, I also get that here's a guy with those 9,900 miles an hour who doesn't have much wear on the arm. He hasn't pitched very long. He's only pitched, what, a year or two in high school. He didn't get into it until, um, you know. And you can look at the first guys that were drafted, but you can also look at, you know, there have been other high school guys who have been drafted in the first round, it turned out. I mean, uh, maybe guys that didn't throw 99, but Rick Porcello, he won a Cy Young Award, had a pretty good career. I mean, if Jackson Job turns out to have a career anywhere in that range or a little bit better, you know, for baseball, that's pretty good. Uh, Matt Manning was drafted out of high school. We'll see how he does. Um, you know, so the baseball draft, would I have rather had him take a shortstop? Of course, you know, a cornerstone guy, maybe a safer pick. But, um, you know, shit, just because it hasn't happened before in the last 10 years doesn't mean it can't happen with this kid. So yep. baseball draft is, I'm, I mean, if you look at the numbers, I mean, you know, everybody knows. You, no one has a clue. I mean, you're, you're, looking, at, you know, you're looking at 2,000 prospects um, across the country. No one has a clue how these guys are going to turn out. Um, and in baseball, you know, more, more don't turn out than do, even in the first round. So yep. um, I'm, that's why I'm not down on the pick because I just, you know, I can research and look at all this, but, you know, there's a lot of experts in the Major League Baseball draft. And I, I just don't think that it's possible to have that many experts in something that is such a crapshoot. Well, I agree that it's a crapshoot. 
and I agree that it's extremely hard to hit on guys. Even in the, the first round, and even at the top of the first I, round. No, I agree. But if you look at the data, one is more of a crapshoot than the right. other. They both have low hit rates. One is notably lower than the other. So if I want to succeed, I want to pick a good player for a franchise that could use help at any position. Do I want to take an 18% chance of getting a good player or a 4% chance? Yeah, an 18% isn't great. More than likely, the guy's going to be nothing. But it's a fact. It's a demonstrable fact that that demographic is riskier than the others. That's not, oh, it's all a crapshoot. No, it's all, no, it's all, no, it, it, it's, it's, yeah. it's objectively true that those, it's the <laughs> hardest demographic to hit on. So it is a crapshoot, but they, they went to the biggest crap of the shoot. They, mean, took, they, took a, they took a risk. I mean, there's no question. I mean, a shortstop, um, you know, of the caliber of the guys, you know, um, that they were looking at. I mean, of course, that's going to have probably a better percentage play than a kid who throws 9,900 miles an hour and there's one pitch from, you know, blowing it out like anybody who throws 999 miles an hour. So, um, yeah, I, I agree that it was a risky pick, but I'm just, I refuse to get up all, all up in arms about it because I just, I don't think how, we're going to know for a while. And I don't think I'm convinced that, you know, that shortstop's going to pan out, you know, for the Red Sox better than, Joe pans off of the Tigers. Yeah, I'm just I mean, not convinced. I hope it does. I mean, Scott yeah. was a high school pitcher that threw with his hair on fire and ended up hurting his arm. So I don't know if you want to weigh out. I mean, did I, you like the Joe pick? I, I, can, I hope he's good. But. Uh, I can offer a little bit, little bit of perspective on it. So like Tony alluded to, the guy just started pitching, what, like 12 months ago, 18 yep. months ago? Like June of which, last year. So at first, I will say on the day of the pick, I was like furious, up in arms. Like, thankfully, we didn't pass on lighter. He got taken the pick before part of Texas. So I wasn't of, you know, that that would have made me peak angry. I would have been, you know, fire Avila, get get the pitchforks out, everything. But, you know, I was still upset. I was pissed. I said, you know, it's, like you said, the high school, the sample size, high school pitchers, big, 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 big risk. This is an outlier. So a lot of these kids, I mean, I played travel baseball, competitive baseball growing up, playing like, you know, 9, 10, 11 years old. These kids are throwing curveballs at 10, 11, 12 years old. And their arms, they're, you're not even through puberty yet, right? Mm-hmm. And I was doing that. Um, of course, every arm has an expiration date. Doesn't matter if it's, you know, you start at 10 years old, 11 years old, enough pitches. I've seen kids that were throwing 80, 90 miles an hour at like the age of 13 or 14. And everyone, most of them never end up making it to college because they had some arm injury, something happened. I'm the silver lining. That's, that's the thing I was saying. I was very mad. First reaction at the pick. I started kind of doing a little more reassessing. I am a little excited for the reason that this guy's just one learning how to pitch. So there's some upside. So there's un- untapped potential that this kid can keep learning and refining and getting better at it. And two, that the guy's got a lot of mileage on his arm. I know he throws hard, but like if he can has the if he has the right mechanics, has the right, you know, he, he's in the system now. It's the Tigers development staff has full control of his body. He's gonna be in the weight room. It's 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 you know, it's their project. We've got four or five years. If you play it right. It's very exciting that this kid does not have mileage on his arm because I'm telling you that is the number one factor. If you throw pitches, especially at the younger age, when your arm is still, your tendons, your ligaments, your muscles, you shouldn't be throwing curveballs at age 12. I'm sorry, you shouldn't be. So thankfully this kid, you know, by we don't know what he was doing at that age, but for all accounts, he just started really competitively pitching last year. So that's where I'm a little excited. And I've, you know, you read stuff like again, draft experts, like Tony says, they're who what is a draft expert? The MLB draft is the hardest thing to nail down mm. ever. 
So, but people are saying, hey, this guy has insane upside. And people that are really follow this stuff closer, way more than I do, we do. It's just these guys that are locked in. They say, this guy might be the next, they said it's like the next Verlander potentially. This guy has some incredible upside. We'll see if that happens. Like I said, if he has a Porcello career, that's great. You can hang your hat on him. What if he has a Porcello career? That's, that's for Detroit. Well, do we get the Cy Young season that happened in Boston? <laughs> well, he also had some. Pretty, he also had some pretty good seasons in you Detroit. Have a guy that eats, even if he comes in and eats up two innings of, if he comes in and eats he up innings at a decent, better years. His career was four sixty or so for Detroit. I'm I'm not totally against it. I'm not happy. I would have rather had the shortstop. I'd love Mayer, love Lawler. Um, yeah. It wasn't my favorite pick, but, he, you know, it's a crapshoot. And I, I love that there's no mileage on the arm, and we'll see. That's my one That's silver lining. So it's it's a big thing. I, you know, every pitcher is a risk of injury, no matter where. It's It doesn't matter. So it's. I hope that there's the risk is mitigated a little bit due to that fact. Yeah, yeah. If he blows his arm out, then, you know, you just turn him into a hitter. You know? <laughs> yeah. If you he saw Lynn's piece. They did consider him a possible two way player yeah. for a bit. Uh, yeah. You know, I mean, he's that he good is. of a hitter, but yeah, you know, obviously that's you know kind of on the lighter side. We don't think that's going to happen. But, um, but the thing that just cracked me up, though, and you know, look, I know you follow it a lot, so I, I respect your opinion. I understand where you're coming from. The thing that cracked me up though is like draft night on Twitter, which first of all is funny because no one used to give a shit about the MLB draft. I mean, for years, but MLB draft comes around and on Twitter the Tigers make this pick, and it's like the pitchforks are out like instantly like, oh, how could he do this? And I'm like, you have no idea. I mean, 99% of the people have no idea the difference between that guy and the other guy they could have picked. But because it was a pitcher and not the shortstop that had been hyped, that's the problem. You know, the reporting led everyone to believe they were going to take the shortstop. And then he was there. So everyone just kind of assumed and expected it. And then they didn't take him. It would be like if the Pistons didn't take Kate Cunningham, it would be like, holy shit, what are they doing? You know, even though they might've had their very good reasons why they didn't. Uh, but the reporting leading up to it led everyone to believe they were going to take the shortstop. He was there. He was there. They went with this my kid. Favorite, and so the pitchforks came out. My favorite reaction from, I mean, this was kind of like the litmus test of like, who's, who's a dumbass and who is, and who knows their shit about baseball. Who doesn't the people on Twitter that were like, we need a shortstop. We yeah, need, like, you like, think he's going to be here tomorrow? Draft. You don't draft for need one no, and two. No. Even if you did draft the shortstop, it's a fucking high schooler. Like the kid won't even be on the team for four years. Red Sox took Meyer and they have Bogarts. Yeah, who's yeah, like yeah, in his twenties. No. Oh, it's like, oh, people, that's the thing. So yeah. anyone on Twitter that was like, Oh, the Tigers needed a shortstop though. It's like, Come on, and man. see that's, that's, that's the di- a- and see I take back where the where I said the tiger fans are not stupid. <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you. No, 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 no. But I mean that's a few of them. Most obviously know that the shortstop's not going to be there tomorrow. Um, but again, that just is it just illustrates the difference in the drafts, and a lot of fans don't realize that. You know, this isn't the NFL draft, the basketball draft, or even to a lesser extent the hockey draft. Some of these guys get there quicker than the baseball guys. So, uh, baseball it's it's a it's a it's a long process, but. You know, there have, I mean, you, you showed the first high school pitcher pick. There have been high school pitchers who've done all right in the majors and had, had pretty good careers. So, um, again, Porcello being one, we'll see what Manning does. And that's just off the Tigers' recent list. So, yeah, we'll I'm see. not going to wring my hands for the reasons you said. It's like we're talking about, oh, you took a 7% chance of something working yeah. out instead of the 12. It's like, I, I, you're right. right. I, I, that's why I haven't been pulling my mm. hair out, but I just didn't like the risk. One more piece of uh, data. To depress you okay, on your way out go. the door. You do, the you do your research on this show. I appreciate that. Oh, I I try. Or Ben know. does. I don't know. One of you does. Uh, it's a team here. Oh, okay. It's a team. It's it's, it's the royal we. Yeah. So the last piece of data, and we're going to keep it very contemporary. Twenty twenty Cy Young voting. Just to give you a little bit of a picture here. So we took the top six from each American League. The winner, Shane Bieber, college guy, Kenta Maeda. 
Japanese Pro League, Hinjin Ryu, which I always botch that name, South Korean Pro League, Garrett Cole, College, Dallas Keiko College, Lance Lynn College, go to the National League, Trevor Bauer, the winner, College, U Darvish, Japanese Pro League, Jacob deGrom, College, uh, Donaldson Lamette, Dominican Pro League, Max Freed, High School, Ding Ding, there's our guy, Corbin Burns College. So just go in the I last- I already have an issue with your list. I mean, you don't call the voters. No, no, no. I know I, I, no, I have an issue with you choosing 2020. You couldn't have gone with a full season. Do you I, couldn't have gone to 2019. Do you, th- you think it's that different? I don't know. I don't know, but maybe it is. Pull it up, Ben. Is this like the Joe Rogan show? Can you pull you it up in 2019? Real time? <laughs> <laughs> there's no way he's got I would that bet, I would bet there's not more than one on that list, too. I bet, I'll bet blind. I don't look it up. You want, you want to bet a coffee on uh, that I'll one? bet a coffee. I don't care. I mean, You're on. Over-under's one. Uh, One's a push. Right. I bet there's not more than one. Okay. But that's fine. But I, would, uh, I, just, I, I, I just like to go with the last full season. That's all. That's fine. Because there's names on there that aren't going to be on Cy Young list again. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, including Max Freed, who was the one high school pitcher. I doubt that's the last time but he I would appears. Love, if we pull the data, though, I'd love to know how what percentage of MLB pitchers just, you know, the full sample size, all 30 teams, all five starting pitchers. How many guys are high school guys? How many guys pan out to that level to even be in the yeah. rotation at the point? Anyway, so how, what, how many guys are being? But, but if you the know, guy's the third overall pick, I'm hoping he's at yeah. least like a number two or three starter. If, if the guy's hanging on and he's on 12 teams and 13 I agree. years, number, that's why I'm not going to be like, oh, good pick. You can sign those guys off the scrap heap. Well, that's why it's a huge risk at number three overall. I mean, one, that's one of the highest draft picks ever for a high school pitcher. That's the issue with number three. If it were later in the round, maybe later in the first round. But my point is more that sample size, that exact, the, the Cy Young voting. How many guys, how many high school arms are there currently pitching in the MLB? I don't know if there's that many. I'd be We'd fine. Look. I'd, I'd be to, fine. I'd, I'd see what percentage. Well, that's, yeah, let's go. College. 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 Charlie Morton. High school. Morton? Yeah. He really? I have, Wasn't he a Stetson guy? Okay, never mind. College. College. Giolito is high school. Rodriguez was signed when he was whatever age. What what do you have National League? Yes, I do. Jacob DeGrom. College. 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 Our uh, Pro League. Japanese Pro League. But when but he was signed College. out of the Pro League, but what, what age was he signed by them? Okay, yeah. we're like, talking I, about I, the American I, high school system. So I'm just, I'm just, keep, it's an age thing too. Okay. I mean, you know, it's an age thing. Okay, so in twenty nineteen there was one. In twenty twenty there was one, right? Did oh, I Morton, Gilito. Gilito was tied for six. You're shoehorning him in. The bottom line is, Shoehorning okay, in. even if it's 10 of the 12 or college or pro league guys, you're still in the minority. So between those two years, you got three I, out of 24. I do want to I'm bring sorry. Up, you're not, that's not a win for you. I want to bring up but it's one point. But it's better than the 20. I want to bring up one point, too. I think that the scouting and the analytics behind of how we evaluate pitching and, like, let's say, like, spin rate, for example, this is, this is very new, like, science behind it i think the science and the art of pitching is being refined so it's way more advanced than it was even like when i was in high school 10 years ago there's way more data and science behind it like i said the analytics behind it people you can realize what's like how what makes a pitcher good that answers that question that the answer to that question is way more advanced than it was like i said even a half decade ago a full decade ago the way the these teams and they had they hire very smart people that follow this stuff and these guys are starting to go into these programs throwing programs at 15 16 years old and they're being surrounded by major league evaluators and they can see well, okay this guy has this spin rate on this pitch and it's like we've seen with Job, he has a spin rate on the slider that's like 
absurd. It's like breaking records, which again it doesn't mean anything necessarily, but this, it's science. It's real. It's I I stand it's behind the injuries. That kind the of concern stuff. though, it's not the talent, Scott. It's the injuries. It's not like uh, oh these guys are gonna suck. It's the fact that these guys read the Verducci article. I'll send you the link. It's like catastrophic. These Job's guys out, all have Job's an outlier. If he wasn't pitching like he was, I'm telling you, I it's, hope a, he is. it's an outlier. If he wasn't throwing those heavy arms innings on in his arm at age 12, 13, 14, 15, that's a, that's a yeah. huge, huge, huge oh, factor. He might be the best talent in the draft. I hope so. The National League in so. 2009, four of the top 10 were high school. And you know, one of them. Obviously, you went to t- 2009? No, 2019. 2019. The ones we, okay. The, the, in the National League. Which, which four, ones? Four of the, and the uh, there was uh, Flaherty. Uh, Soraka, uh, who's the other it's one? A shitty year one for of the these other ones here. But here's a name that might ring a bell as a high school guy, Clayton Kershaw. I mean, there are other guys. I mean, it's not like there haven't been high school guys that have panned out. I'm not saying that. I'm saying it's at a lower rate. It's it's never. No, I get it. I yeah, get it. At a I much just, lower. Rate. I think that the upside is definitely there for this guy. Okay, clearly. Fair enough. I hope right? it is. And if it doesn't yep. pan out, it'll be like many other draft picks the Tigers have made in the years. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't pan out. Whether it's a position player or a pitcher, I mean, uh, Who knows? some maybe, of the names. Maybe we, he's a trade bait in two years when we need a big piece of the deadline. There you go. Jackson Jobs yeah. is still a highly regarded prospect. Uh, and you pack I hope so. I hope so. So mm-hmm. let, let, we'll, we'll finish there. We got to get to our speed round because we're, we're getting into Michael Stone territory here we don't want to push a three-hour show let's hit the speed round ben let's get to it i'm ready for this one so we we'll keep it tight we're going to keep it nice and pretty i don't know if you guys have been following twitter but we're all spartans in this room despite what twitter says that tony paul hates his alma mater (laughs) i don't know if you guys saw the spartan dog con the Mel Tucker recruiting thing where he had like everybody and their brother up in East Lansing. If you didn't see, you can't comment. But did you guys see this? What, what did you make a Spartan dog con? Did you, you guys catch this? It was the thing at his house. Oh, I, 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 the- we have to burn the first round. You guys, you guys not have Twitter account? I do. I saw there was a big event at his house. Yeah, Spartan Dog Con. This is what I'm talking. Is this? Is this yeah. What okay. Well, it was at his I house. Saw, it was on some, campus. He had everybody up there. I saw. I saw some brief stuff about it, but not. I didn't dig too deep into it. Well, we'll, we'll flip it to this. Mel Tucker's recruiting, uh, and I don't mean like the kids he's getting. His approach, his his style. Do you guys? Are you guys buying this? You think it'll work? I'm into it so far. It seems like I, I like the energy that's in the program. To keep, I mean, to keep it short. It seemed like the Antonio era was getting real stale. And I think Mel completely just reinvigorated and just with fresh new energy, which was like beyond needed. Um, I'm, I'm excited. You know, the result, it's only year two. I mean, I don't even really count last year because of, of COVID and all that stuff. He didn't I really have an offseason. beat Michigan. They beat yeah, I, I count that. I count, I count, I count that. Those two I count those yeah. wins. I count that Michigan Two of the games sure. counted, for trust, sure. <laughs> trust me. But, like, I mean, from, you know, a big picture standpoint, like, there was no development. There was no real offseason. He didn't really get to know his players. It was all over freaking Zoom. Like, mm-hmm. this is the real, you know, there's a lot to be still said. But, like, I love the way he's, the approach he's taking. He's, like, really buying into, like, Social media, and that's what these kids love these days. Instagram, all that stuff. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm very into it. Yeah, you buy the vibe, Tony. Buy it. Uh, look, yeah. I mean, clearly, um, you know, he, he put together an interesting team. You know, first class recruiting class. Um, what I like about it is, again, he he gets into the things that the kids are into. You know, the that that Instagram stuff, the the photo of him on the bus with Paul Bunyan, the photo of him with the cigar. I mean, he gets it. I mean, he's definitely trying to build his own, his own brand there, but also what I like. And D'Antonio did a really good job of this early in his tenure. But like you said, I agree that things got stale toward the end, but um, it's, it's bringing in 
the the past players, bringing in the family, the Spartan family, and getting them around the program. And I think he's trying to do that. And I think that's very important is getting all these people in and bringing these people back who were part of the program. I think he's doing that. So, um, you know, the results will speak for themselves. They got a long way to go before, you know, everyone can, you know, put them on the level of where D'Antonio was. But, uh, yeah, there's, there's some excitement. I mean, TBD on the, like, X's and O's, we sure. haven't seen them in any close games, really. The Michigan, that was a double-digit win until a garbage-time touchdown at the end. Like, for the most part, they won those two games or got completely destroyed. I still don't know how this guy is with clock management. We saw him seven games, and, like, there was no clock management scenario somehow, not even one. So we'll see. But as a CEO, I think he's brilliant. Let's get back to baseball briefly. Believe me, the Tigers won't be part of this discussion. Your 2021 World Series champion, the deck was reset. A lot of those top teams made some crazy moves. Gun to your head. We'll start with Tony. Who is the champion this year? Mm, that's tough. Um, I'm going to go just because I love their manager. Um, I'm going to go with the Giants. Um, I think that they're an interesting team. Um, and I think uh, Gabe Kapler was in just a shitty situation in Philadelphia, as Joe Girardi has inherited <laughs> Um, I think that uh, I, I, I like that team. If I'm going to go with an outside the box, anybody can pick the Astros or the Yankees or whatever, but um, I'm going to go with the Giants. Yeah. I hate to be the Dodgers. That team is so loaded, and I I, I know it's, it's that's probably the easiest answer on the board right now. They're obviously the Vegas favorite, especially after the Scherzer and Trey Turner trade. I don't see it once Kershaw gets back off the IL and once Seager gets back and I mean, Bellinger's been playing like shit, but he'll, he's still Cody Bellinger. He'll be fine. Like, that lineup is a, atrocious, nasty good. Like, the rotations. The bullpen's a little, little iffy. Kenley Jansen's not what he used to be, but uh, they'll figure something out. They'll, they'll find someone to throw back there, whether it's, you know, David Price and high leverage situations. They'll, they'll Which, figure by the out. way, I forgot David Price was still a thing. <laughs> yeah, right? Like, <laughs> I, I, that's that's your, uh, your buddy. I know. I forgot yeah. that he was still around. Um, it's your best friend. So, that, yeah, Dodgers, man. That, that, yeah. they'll, they're, I think they're they tough. I think they're they tough. Repeat. The only reason I think I like the Giants is, anybody to beat the Dodgers would be the Giants. I think there's, you know. It's a bummer the Padres lost the Tees. I mean, hopefully he's back for October, but. Funny that the Giants, like, kicked us in the balls in 2012 and then, like, completely tanked. We're terrible for a couple years, rebuilt, and they're already Tony's pick to win the World Series, and we're still, like, fumbling around hoping Chris Illich does more than sign. They had had no business beating the Tigers in 2012, just like the Cardinals had no business beating the Tigers in 2006. Tigers were heavy favorites, (laughs) minus 175 or higher. In all four games of 2012. I will give one dark horse team, though. Yeah, Dodgers was the easiest answer. The Brewers are really good. No, fun. No, that fun. Top have three a, arms, Woodruff, Burns, and no. Peralta. That's an insanely good. One and done. Top three. I, I have a standing bet with my cousin who lives in Milwaukee, and I grew up going to Milwaukee a lot. But we have a standing bet that we've had since, like, 2005. Or uh, The first team to win a World Series it was the other one, 100 bucks. So I'm refusing to go with the Brewers because I don't lose 100 bucks. I had so many opportunities to win the 100 from him, but. I'm going to say no on the Brewers. You're safe, and I'm with you. I we'll, think so. we'll move to this. I had but a they lot do have of, Daniel Norris now. So yeah, knows? that's the bit, that's the missing piece they needed. Don't don't bring up that name with Tony and I. Tony, I Tony I and I. I made a mistake. I made a mistake <laughs> on Daniel Norris. So, I expected so more. So did I. I expected more of them. The support group is right yeah, after the show. Yeah. You and I are the only I ones. I thought that attending. he could have turned into an Andrew Miller type. Me and too. I was wrong, but he did hit one hell of a home run in Wrigley Field, and I was uh, there for that. So. We'll always have the Wrigley home dead run. center. So dead center. We'll move to this. I got a lot of shit from MSU Twitter, which those guys, I mean, you would think that I like hated Michigan State, but you know a thing or two about the friendly fire in that brigade. I do. So I'm recycling this. So this was something we did a couple months ago. I got killed for it. I stand by it. I looked at it again. I wouldn't change a goddamn thing. Justin's all-time Izzo-era MSU lineup. Now, the rules are 
I got to take this team into a hypothetical NCAA tournament. So not a whole season, not an all-star game. If I had to pick a starting five plus one sixth man to go into an NCAA tournament, and my life is on the line, I have to win those six games, who am I taking? And that criteria matters because there's circumstances where this would be a different list. I took Mateen Cleaves as my starting point guard, by far the most drama with that pick. Jason Richardson, my number two, two guard. Denzel Valentine, number three, small forward. At the four, power forward, Draymond Green. Xavier Tillman at center. Six-man, Gary Harris. Now, right off the top, I admit, this lineup is small. I'm aware that my tallest guy is like 6'7". <laughs> I'm aware. So that was one of the other criticisms. X, you know is, like, X is like 6'10", 6'9". He is six, not 6'10". He's 6'9". X is 6'9". He nine. is 6'8", tops. Regardless, Whatever. there's no seven-footers. There's no 6'11 guys on this roster. So again, Cleves, Richardson, Denzel, Draymond, Tillman, Gary Harris. My logic was six guys that are at least B defenders or better. Everyone can make an open three. Literally all six of them, if they're open from deep, they're hitting the shot. I love my pick. Just grade. We'll start with you, Scott. Grade my list and offer a change if, if you think there's one that stands out. Obviously, Valentine was my four years there. Like, Valentine, I agree with, obviously. I mean, Mateen or Cassius, it's really a flip of a switch. I, I, I still am convinced Cassius would have won the national title in, in 2020 if COVID didn't happen. But... Yeah, I'm cool with Mateen. He's got the national title, so Mateen's good. I agree with Van Valentine. I agree with Draymond. You can't take them off. Um, Jay Rich, I was a little too young for, so I didn't see him a ton in the Spartan green and white. My only critique would probably is probably Tillman. I, I, no, I love Tillman. Don't get me wrong, but you could always. I don't know. I'm trying to think of who we could you put in there. Pain. Some people were giving I, me I, pain. I, I, I'm I like, like pain, I was but say, he was yeah. he was too. He came on too late in his career. I mean, yeah, but you, just, make, you get the best version of the guy. The best of version of the okay, so yeah, he would have been my guy, and and a lot of people he gets overlooked because he was part of that rare group that never made a final four. Um, but he would be, yeah, pain. He was, would be up there for me. Pain was rarely good his senior year. Yeah, um, I I probably put pain over Tillman. Ah, it's close. Tillman is such a better defender, though. You're right. Uh, the six Gary Harris, I loved, so I was cool. Honestly, I'm, I I probably would put Gary Harris over Jay Rich in the starting lineup just. Again, that Jay was, Rich was so good. I was too young for Jay. Rich, I got shit for no Morris Peterson. That was Mo Pete. Mo Pete was great too. Yeah, I mean, and that, that, that was my hardest team. You could pick so many guys from that yeah. team. Peterson and, was actually my hardest cut, even harder than Cash. I mean, Charlie Bell, how good a defender he was. I, yeah. mean, I mean, you could have picked a lot of guys. Not a bad list though. No, no, I'm, I'm all. It, no, it wasn't like a mortifyingly bad list at all. No, there was, are you looking for accolades? I would give you an A. <laughs> Does that make you feel better? I, I needed that affirmation. If right. I didn't get that, I wasn't going to sleep tonight. Okay, actually, we'll so especially after you brought up that there were four high school guys last year in the National League. <laughs> I promise. Including I Clayton Kershaw. I we don't mention okay. that he was a high school guy. He's yeah. pretty good. I said in the last 10 years, I saw that he was 11 years ago no, within our window. So like, uh, yeah, that's well, a convenient why do you think stop point right there. Oh, that's, that's the old warrior trick. Point. I'm, I'm yeah. not going to present data that doesn't course, support my of position. Course, exactly. You think I'm going to help exactly. you out? You're, yes. you're, you're too formidable a foe as it is. I don't need to help you out. So we'll move on. This is something I brought up uh, many times on Twitter. This is, uh, this is the most common poll, I think, in the last, like, Three years in Detroit Twitter poll. It's the the lazy ninety seven one topic. They had to do it. I don't blame them. So this was LG Hale, a well known Michigan guy on Twitter. He we just picked him because he had a, you know a few thousand votes on it. But in twenty nineteen, he threw this poll out. Who's the next Detroit team to win a title? It's been the most common question. And at the time, right at the end of twenty nineteen, basically at that point, almost twenty twenty, sixty four percent said the Red Wings. 
The Pistons were second, but they were all kind of bunched together. Pistons were at 15, Lions were 10, Tigers were 11. So they're all kind of, it was the Red Wings by a mile, everyone else kind of even. To me, if that poll were done right now, that same sample, the Pistons would be far and away number one based on the Kate Cunningham thing. Where do you land on this? Just if you had to do the cliche 97 one, the ticket Twitter topic, like are the Pistons the obvious number one? Tony, we'll start with you. No, go ahead. You go first. You've Scott, we'll saw more of the other sports. The Pistons are the obvious pick, right? Uh, yeah. I mean, Cade, Cade could be, uh, basically this guy could be the next like Luka Doncic. Um, there's, that's a lot of comparisons we're getting with him at, at you know, Paul George type talent level. It has to be just based on the upside of him and having that guy. The NBA is built in that way where if you get that type of superstar, you know, and he has that all NBA upside, being a top five player in this league, he has that upside that sets you up, you know, that with that context now, with that information at our hand at our disposal, has to be the Pistons by far one and away. And then you can make arguments for the Tigers, Red Wings. Lions are going to be number four. I'll never, that on the, on the list, while they're owned by the Fords, the, they're ineligible. They shouldn't yeah, be yeah, on the list. It goes back yeah. to the whole until you see it. The Lions can it. the Lions can just be off the list. It's really you should you should really be talking Pistons, Tigers, and Wings on this. I, I don't know enough about hockey to really make an informed opinion, but it seems like Stevie Wise people that do know hockey seem to be pretty enthusiastic with what's going on. So I, I would probably go Pistons one, Tigers two, just based on how my knowledge in baseball and I do see a future of this team contending in you know the middle part of this next upcoming decade here. Um. That's where I am. Pistons, but yeah. far and away one, though. Tony, you sure. have to say the Tigers because you went on record tonight saying that they're going to sign Verlander, Scherzer, J.D. Martinez, and one other $15 million guy. By the way, how fun would that be? That uh, would be, like, unprecedented <laughs> in baseball. Like, you sell off all your stars. I might move. I might so you move. you could rebuild, and then, <laughs> I mean, and then you could get all them back. Like, that I would, would be, take it all back. That would be, that bad would be unprecedented. Said. How cool. Now, yeah. that would sell tickets. Oh. That would sell tickets if you got all four of them back. But hey, Chris Illich, if you're hearing us now, that's, yeah, that's That would sell. That would sell. It. You would have 30,000 season ticket holders next year oh, yeah. if you had all four of those guys. Yeah, but at a new phone line. Obviously, it's not going to happen, you know, for a variety of reasons. One, Scherzer and I, I don't think Scherzer and Verlander are going to be teammates ever again. Um, Ooh, but what's that about? Yeah. Uh, they just they were different guys. They just they, they weren't the best of friends. Um, good pitchers, great pitchers, not the best of friends, which is fine. You don't have to be the best of friends to be on a team. But um, that said, if Tigers offered Scherzer the most money, he would come. So uh, I don't know anything about hockey, but I tend to like the Wings um, for a couple of reasons. One, I think it's probably statistically easier to win the Stanley Cup even if you're not the favorite, um, if you get into the playoffs. Um, and Stevie Y has a track record of building a championship, which you can't say that about any other GM in Detroit right now. So um, I'm going to go with them just because of those two reasons. I don't know anything about hockey. Uh, I, I know more than I used to. Well, the first hockey story, ever, professional hockey game I ever covered, I called it the third quarter. So that's how little I knew about hockey then. I know more now. But um, I, I like the Wings for that reason. I think the Pistons. Uh, you know, it's it's difficult to get to that level at the NBA, too. I mean, the NBA is such a dynasty-heavy league, you know. Um, so, I don't know. The Tigers, I, I think they're they're a little ways away, again, because it's very difficult, I think, in baseball to win that World Series, and they've taken missteps. Um, so, if I had to say right now, I'd, I'd say the Wings. The Wings were my pick until the Cunningham lotto was won. I mean, then I flipped in for the reason you said. Eiserman has done it, and I think, I think he will get there. Mm-hmm. I just don't the, think he'll be first. One last quick point with the Tigers, you have to always consider the AL Central is pretty much 
always up for the taking. Mm-hmm. Like you said, the White Sox, I, they're very talented right now. I but don't see a dynasty. To make them out to be this huge thing, and it's like yeah, win I, one first. You we'll know? See, yeah, I, the AL Central though. I'm saying my, it's like they're the Twins, good, Royals, but how, but Indians how long did are. They re, their rebuild take. I mean, longer than this thing's supposed to take. It's, yeah, but it's over yeah, now. The, this the AL Central division where there's the more small market, more. The Cleveland, Minnesota, and Kansas City are always going to be operating with their hands, you know, one hand pad behind their back. I think uh, the Detroit, it's it's the opportunities there. The Tigers, if if the checkbook's there, if if Avila can, you know, be able to sign the guys, we'll and see. It, third it should twice, be there. It third. should be there because they have the money to have one hundred twenty to one hundred forty million dollar payroll, even probably beyond that because of their TV deal that is better than what Kansas City and Cleveland and Minnesota have. So. There's no excuse, and that's why this is the offseason, because there's no excuse. That 7-8-9 for the White Sox is pretty good. Kopech, Hendricks, they're and fine. Kimbrough. They're, they're, a good fine. Team. they're a good team. It's like an all-time good back team. end. They're a good team, fine. but you know, people like have been raving years. about this White Sox rebuild right forever. Now. I mean, yeah. People have been raving about this White Sox rebuild forever. So let's, Yeah, let's I was one of out. them. Let's see it play out. It uh, took forever. you me a White Sox. It took forever. Yeah, they well they they do have a World Series winning manager. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, they also won one in 05. They're another team just like the Giants yeah. that won, tore the whole thing down, sucked for a while, and they already came back around before we ever got our first one in my lifetime. Well, by the time they were tearing everything down, the Tigers were w- winning division after division after division. For, yeah, for, during that stretch. Yeah, it was it was wonderful, but uh, and they, they didn't tear it down right away. I mean, the White Sox were still contenders in two thousand seven, two thousand eight, and. and, and one the back with the AL Central thing. Baseball is the one sport where your division really matters. I mean, yeah, I, NFL play, especially yeah. too. But like in the NBA, it doesn't matter. It's like just kind of like yeah, a irrelevant. Yeah. It's irrelevant. But like in in baseball, that matters. If you win your division, you get a guaranteed playoff series. You're not having to play in that stupid wild card game. One winner go home. You have a guaranteed. Uh, the division is a very important context that the Tigers, if the card, you know, you get the right pieces, I can see you can see another, you know three, four, five, six years of sustained success and let's go win those. Let's win a three-peat, four-peat, win that division over and over again. And then that's the thing. Once you're in the playoffs, once you're in October, Baseball's all bets are off. That, yeah, all bets are off. All bets are off. Who gets the who has the hot pitchers? Who's got the hot bats in October? Um, Third place. I, I'm sorry, but they're my favorite team in town. I don't know about the wings. I can't talk so intelligently yeah, we'll about see. the wings. Third place. Move, moving on. So this is totally off topic here. This, this will be interesting. Your one dream concert. I threw my main guy up there. If I could have seen, I mean, Queen, but, you know, Queen with Freddie Mercury. I don't count Adam Lambert. If I could see Queen with Freddie Mercury, that I'd pick that over Beethoven. Do you have a dream concert? Preferably someone that's dead, because don't tell me someone that's performing now, because you could just go see him. Go to StubHub. You're, you guys are both rich. Like, figure it out. Scott, we'll start with you. Your one we'll dream see, concert. They're starting to cancel concerts again, by the way. It's pre COVID. There's no COVID in this right. hypothetical. Nope. The guy's um, dead. We can't right. get much more. Okay, if I say, if I say a dead guy, so I'm a pretty, I mean, I'm a, lot, a little younger than you guys, but I'm a pretty like good EDM guy. Like, so I've, Avicii passed away a couple of years ago. Avicii would have been a really cool show to see. Uh, that's, my, that's my pick. That's my that's guy. That's fine. Yeah. Uh, well, they got to be dead. I mean, Queen would be pretty good. Um, I really, I still wanted to see them with Adam Lambert. My heart is still a really good show, but obviously no Freddie Mercury. But I mean, if you're going back, I mean, the Beatles. I mean, how can you not say the Beatles? I mean, That'd be great. The Beatles would be amazing. Top three for sure. Good mm-hmm. one. So we'll finish here. It will be a sports. I go one. with Thin Elvis too. Thin Elvis and the Beatles. So are you an Elvis guy? I am an Elvis. I'm a, guy. I'm a huge Elvis fan. Yeah. I get shit in my generation. No, I, 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 you're a little older Elvis, than me, but Elvis is a man. I'm a big Elvis guy. So we'll finish here. Dan Campbell's Detroit peak. I don't care what he does this year. Just what is the 
best it ever gets with Dan Campbell as the head coach of the Detroit Lions. Give me like a win total or a finish or how far they get. Tony, we'll start with you, and then this will be it for us. Yeah, Jim Caldwell. As far okay. as Jim Caldwell got, what is that, 11 wins in the playoff? Yeah, and mostly his peak was, barring that one year, kind of a nine-ish win, yeah, get blasted in the wild card. And then it'll be right there, and, and he'll probably keep his job longer than, than Caldwell did. And um, Yeah, I'm going to go – I will go with that. I mean, the hype is great, but we've seen this before with so many football coaches. The hype is always you know, you know louder than the actual bite. Yeah, I'll go with that. I agree. I mean, again, it's just a, it's a show me thing too. With the was, Lions, you just never believe. That was the exact. I was literally going to say call like where he took, took the words out of my mouth. I was going to say Caldwell. Yeah, like a wild card contending team. If that's that would be the maximum highest probability of outcome. I, I can't see Dan Campbell leading like a thirteen and four. Now there's seventeen games. Thirteen and four. You know, juggernaut. We're going to get a first round bye. Nah, I, I don't. I don't buy that. And he would be Jim Caldwell for the same reasons Jim Caldwell was where. The players are going to love them. They're going to go through a wall. Like, if you get players to just not be an open mutiny in the NFL, you're already better than, like, 10 of the teams. Like, just the fact that they're even trying. I mean, like, Adam Gase, let me go through, like, Hugh Jackson. Every, any given year, five to eight teams at least are an open rebellion. Like, to some football's the sport, man. Early under, I mean, we found out. Later, but they were pretty much like that from the get go under Patricia. They were one of those in the Patricia. Yeah, There's yeah. always half a dozen or more. Football's from the beginning, the sport, football's the sport. You need like a locker room to be bought in because if those yeah. guys aren't bought in, that's the you need to be physical. It's like hey, if, the, if you guys aren't going all out on the field, that you can tell, and it's right. It, it, it's a poisonous locker room in the NFL or college football. Same you know, yeah. same boat. That's just a disaster. Yeah, so, and the, that's that's true. You hear about stories of baseball teams that won championships that hated each other. I mean, a lot of guys on teams, but yeah, football. You just feel like you have to have, you know, it's a small locker room for a big roster. Yeah. So you feel like got to get it wrong. If you, you have a decent roster and they don't hate the coach, that's like eight wins in the NFL. Yeah, it can be. Yeah. I mean, that's that's why I agree. We we it's Jim Caldwell two point as the peak. I mean, he may not even meet that. He certainly won't surpass. I think it. that would be It'll great be, if he got to that. And I'm not saying, you know, I'm, I'm not even optimistic he would. I mean, Caldwell, you know, I, the guys, the opening press conferences bothered me. It just, it was too much. It, it just seems like it was too much of a, it, it doesn't it seem genuine. It seems no. that's my point. Yeah. It doesn't seem genuine. It seems, I unless, think, yeah. it's, to come out like that and to filibuster for how many minutes before he took the first question, I mean, it just, I agree. I didn't you know like it, it was, either. It just, I don't think I don't, it was fake, though. Everyone that knows him says that's like, that's the guy. Maybe it is, but it just to me came off as, it, it, and again, we've seen all these press conferences with, particularly with football coaches in this town, you know, that, that won the, the press conference, you know, the, it's the not Brady fake. Hoax, the John L. Smiths, you name it. And it's like, oh, if, he's not, just, if it's not fake, he's just a weirdo. Yeah, like, it is. It was weirdo. strange. It was that's strange. what I think yeah, it is. Okay, yeah. that, that's yeah. fair. If, yeah, yeah, if it's, if not, it's not fake, the guy's just a total weirdo. And, uh, there's, but hey, if the team likes him and if be sharp X's and O's, which I do ah, not trust at all, that's yeah. the problem. But so uh, that's my that's, that's my. the thing about first time NFL coaches too. I mean, it, it's so so much. You gotta be smart. There's so much going on and so many schemes and all that. I don't think you know. I, I think that would be the hardest sport to be a first timer, especially when you're coming off being a position coach. You're right. even a coordinator. I mean, right. you're basically saying like, hey, here's your blocking technique. Like, <laughs> I mean, like as a tight ends coach, but. Yeah. Anyway, so we'll finish there. This was a great one, man. I really enjoyed it. It was a little depressing. We had like, it, I mean, for me, it was a little no, it wasn't depressing. Depressing for you? 
Well, yeah, because you had that great point about the four guys coming from high school and the Cy Young. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I did. Hey. It was I was happy. And one of them that. was Clayton Kershaw, yeah. who you conveniently left off I, your I list. I felt pretty good about myself. I was going to go to basket to sleep list, well. By the way, how much worse does that list look if you included Clayton Kershaw on that list? Well, why do you, think I, why do you think I cut it off? Exactly. Yeah. Do you think I'm hiding the ball? <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, do you think I'm hiding the ball, the fact that I was hiding the ball? Yeah, like, yeah. I am very open about the fact that I was hiding the ball. Yeah, yeah. So, if you included him, that list looks a lot. Well, yeah, that's why I did it. So yeah, I'm not going to help. I'm not going to help you. Because I was I, thinking, I'm like, Kershaw was a high school guy. Yeah, I'm not going to help you. Yeah. That was, I cut it off by one yeah. year. Yeah. So, Convenient. Well done. Yeah, it was mostly, it was more well, you caught it. So yeah. it wasn't that well done. I, I would have been better off owning it up front, I guess. But you got your phone out well, there. Well, if Ben had the graphic from 2019, I wouldn't have my phone out. So. Well, I didn't want to pull that. It wasn't as favorable to me. Truth exactly. be told, I didn't look at it. No. I did just look at the 2020. No, I just think a full year is a little bit more fair than a Yeah, yeah fair like, enough. Like, I don't think no, you that was judge, fair. Like, you wouldn't judge Michigan State's. But all you did was the, the seven games. That's fair. All you did though was mitigate the degree of my point. Exactly. The except point Clay, still except is, we brought Clayton Kershaw into the mix. Okay, but it's still and this guy could be Clayton Kershaw. Okay, it's still what eighty five percent of these guys sure, are sure. college guys right. or or foreign pro leagues. No, so. I mean if you're gonna choose to choose one, obviously a college guy yeah. would be the guy. Which was you, the point if you wanted yeah. to be safe, and yeah. uh, they didn't, and uh, you know, and a college guy's. Great, too, because he could be here next year. Now, um, there's a rumor going around town before we wrap that you had some beef with a prior guest from two shows ago, Neil Rule, who's well, a friend of the show. What, yeah. what was that about? Uh, no, that was uh, – we talked about – I missed my opportunity earlier because I watched that show. It was really good, except you threw me under the bus for why you have these branded waters because apparently the first time I came, I brought like a – 58 ounce jug of yeah it was like i think it was like an inflatable doll it wasn't that big i mean it was speedway they only make them that big i mean yeah it was like the super mega gulp actually i don't go through as much diet coke anymore so but i appreciate you bringing that up for the world to hear but um no neil has this (laughs) neil has this beef neil and i have a lot of beefs and 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 the thing about neil is that like he speaks and i love neil neil love you uh, congrats on the gig at Woodward Sports. I listened, you know, the other day with you and Joy. It was great. You're awesome. Love you. However, <laughs> Neil loves to speak in just these certainties. Like, I mean, if you watch him speak, everything's like a certainty, even if it's, you know. So he brought up the fact that, you know, he and you have more World Series wins than Justin Berlander, as if that means a goddamn thing. You know, and we had this argument the other day. Um, I think we were at a golf. Yeah, we were at a golf trip up north. We were talking about it at the bar. He was. He had more beers than I did. I had zero. He had a lot more than zero. Um, but he got into it about Verlander, and he made that point. And so he made it sound to me like he did nothing for the Astros. And I'm like, well, if the, without Verlander, he was basically suggesting he's not a big game pitcher. Without Verlander, the Astros don't win the World Series. Just like if Verlander didn't win game five in, what was it, 2011 against the A's, 2012 against the A's. I mean, I mean he's a big game pitcher who hasn't won in the World Series. That's all. That was my point. I thought it was unfair. And I mean, I'm not the biggest Justin Verlander slappy in the world, but I thought it was wrong. So I had to bring that up. Yeah. So you he, didn't call him on it. So oh, yeah. I had to. You no, know, you're right. You're right. I mean, but all he said was like, look, it's a fact. I, you it's know, a I, fact. But, he, but yeah. he, he comes off as saying that it's like Verlander is not a big game pitcher. Yeah. And we all know that he is. Yeah. No, I, I, I think he is. I mean, again, you mentioned it. The, the Oakland Those series. Those games were amazing. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And the game, you know, the Red Sox series, you know, 2013 loses 1-0 to Napoli. Yeah, I mean, one shot to one left shot field. To center. Was yeah. it center? Well, it was left center. Right, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, so, Napoli yeah. took a I love you, Neil. You're great. Um, made a lot of fun golfing up north. Uh, he yeah. had a lot more fun than yeah, I did. Yeah, golfing's why you skipped our Grand Shindig. I know. Yeah. I was so mad by the, that yeah. painting. 
is you like that painting? Tony painting is unbelievable. It. I was yeah. at the Michigan press box that day, uh, helping out. And, uh, it's the most memorable event I've ever been at. And what was most memorable about it was that the certain press boxes in the country, across the country, um, aren't, you know, there's the old saying, no cheering in the press box. Doesn't applies more to others than at some other places, you know, Michigan, there tends to be a little chirping, you know, in the Michigan press box, usually down away from the working media, but down. And there was a lot of chirping um, before that punt and then dead silent. And like, there were tears. Like, I mean, it was crazy and friggin' hilarious. So, it, was, it was fantastic. Yeah. I mean, that I, painting though, I mean, if you haven't seen it on Twitter, that <laughs> painting is, it doesn't, the Twitter picture doesn't even do it justice. It's massive. Uh, so wonderful top, job. Uh, top five regret of my life was uh, turning down a hundred dollar ticket to go to that game. My oh, senior year of college, I didn't have the funds at the time, but uh, I, I should have found a way to make the funds. Uh, you got the funds now. You're spending twenty five hundred dollars on sunglasses. Uh, no comment. Is that no true? Uh, yeah. Yes. The Clay Cunningham inspired me a little bit. Yeah. Oh, you bought yeah. the buffs? I think, or I got the buffs. Got, <laughs> I think buffs or buffs? I got the buffs. I, yeah. went to, I went to Cartier yesterday at the uh, at the old Somerset Mall and twenty five hundred dollars. Uh, well, I I mean that's what they, they go for. Not cheap. Yeah, I don't know. They go for anywhere between two and three, but um, or unless you get like the limited, then it's like five. I heard. I don't know. I I don't know which brand he got, or you know the brand, but which style of the brand. But if you're doubting that he got them, there's like seven pictures that I have from the last 24 hours, and they're they're nice. I, I almost sh- wore them tonight. If it was a Pistons episode, I would. I sent them. you a picture back of my ten dollar Amazon aviators. <laughs> like I'm not like a frugal guy, but like. I would break those fuckers well, that's, that's within like a oh, week. Uh, it's, See, in college, I used to buy the Oakleys, you know, when they were like 150 bucks or whatever. Yeah. I was, um, but uh, I stopped because I would break them all. I'm terrible. I, I don't spend yeah. on sunglasses anymore because I can't be trusted. Yeah. So you break, them or you break them or you lose them. I, we'll see. I, uh, you have the receipt? I have the receipt. It's one of those things where I was like, I just was at the mall. I was, only, I was there to buy shoes and a new dress shirt for this wedding. And then I just saw the Cartier pop-up store. I'm like, well, shit, I got to get some buffs. Uh, Cade fired me up. And then I just, oh, it, yeah, it was, uh, I got home. I was I'm staying at my parents for the week uh, coming in from out of town. So my mom was not happy when I uh, saw, she saw the receipt. Uh, but whatever. You know, uh, <laughs> well, you'll be eating top ramen for a while, but you bet. Oh, yeah, you can make your, and you're doing well. You're killing it there in New York. Five hundred bucks for yeah. some places. Well. Yeah. well, don't quote me on the number. I just know that's the average Is of what that, they go for. He no, didn't tell, whatever, he didn't tell whatever, me what they go for. Uh, but we'll say we'll talk off air. We'll talk yeah, off air. We'll talk off air. Yeah, I mean, last thing, we'll wrap the Michigan-Michigan State thing in 2015. Everyone does have their story. I, I made a, a in very poor taste joke at the event on Saturday saying, like, it's kind of like the Michigan State happy version of 9-11. Like, everyone remembers where they were when it happened yeah, no, and as a, a story. Good, not a good idea. To, it was terrible compare, taste. Yeah, it was a horrible yeah, taste. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's why I said it was a yeah, poor taste. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not trying to revive that as a good joke. <laughs> but uh, but it is. It's true. It's, everyone remembers where they were and, like, what happened and, and their story around it. Mine, and we'll finish here. I was there at like 50 yard line. So the place right in front of us in a, is all Michigan fans around us with my brother and my buddy. There's this Michigan fan right behind us, the entire game, letting us have it just for having Michigan state stuff on. And they're lining up for the punt. You know, they cut Harbaugh calls timeout one second left on the, on the play clock to milk it. They're lining up for the punt. And this guy's literally got his head between my brother and I. So my brother's to my left. He's leaning forward like that. And saying, fuck you, you Michigan State, Gaysler, 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 you cocksuckers came in here, Gaysler, 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 like every Gaysler you could possibly imagine. 
called us at one point the N-word, which is I mean, a bunch of white guys. <laughs> yeah, he was hammered, but he's just letting us have it, saying, you, you cocksuckers came into our house. This is our house. What are you thinking coming into the big house? Didn't you know this was going to happen? All this shit. And we we had no defense. I mean, we were so shell-shocked. So we're standing there with our arms folded, just taking it. Like, norm, like normally I'd at least be like, hey, will you back off? I didn't have any any soul. At that point, they had taken my soul. And then the play happens. And my brother and I, after the touchdown, and we blacked out for a second, turn around and we just gave it to the guy. Like, who's the bitch now? Whatever we said, I don't remember. And the guy literally like tried to attack us. Like tried to punch me. They had to grab him and the usher kicked him out. But there, it was the ultimate instant karma. Like it just the guy, as they're snapping the ball, is in our ear screaming at us. And then the play happens. It was the best. That was my happy... Not 9-11 moment for that play. Yeah. I didn't know you were in the press box, Tony. That's kind yeah, of I was. I used to cover, um, back then I would help out on game days at Ann Arbor and, and the Lions and um, occasional Pistons or Wings. But yeah, I was at Ann Arbor. Yeah, I was there for that. And that was crazy. But, uh, um, the, but the best thing about that whole thing, um, and I didn't even know about it until later, obviously, because I was in the press box. But that call, TV call, was probably one of the best TV calls of all time in that the moment they lived up to the moment, but also got the player so quickly that, that, that scored the touchdown. Yeah. I, I mean, it was incredible and probably that someone in his ear, you know, a spotter percent that's fine, but it was so much chaos in, in, in the, the flash of a, you know, a second. And it was all called beautifully. I mean, just Good one point. of the best calls I've ever heard. Especially it's a guy like Jalen Moss Jackson at that point, wasn't a star player. Right. He's a special teamer that right. probably was on the field for what? Like, 10 snaps a yeah. game. He's not a guy playing big minutes. So. Sean McDonough yeah, nailed Sean it. Yeah, nailed it. You're right. That's a, good, that's a good point. Just phenomenal. It's not the same. It, it, even if everything else is the same, but you don't get that Jalen Watts Jackson. It's not the no, same. It's no, it's not. Like, that was the thing. Like, nobody knew. And it's picked who, up. It's like within like two seconds. Yeah, I mean, it was so by... fast and it was probably a great spotter. I mean, that's fine. That's how it works with the TV people and the radio people. But it was so good. I mean, in so much chaos, so many announcers would not know what the hell to say. And a lot of them wouldn't try to say anything, which is fine. Yeah, That would be fine, too. But he called it so perfectly. It was yeah, amazing. Nailed it. So this was the Spiro Avenue Show. Great job, you guys. We were kind of all over the map today. But uh, I think it was pretty depressing. But uh, I'm glad you guys are feeling better. I mean, Tony thinks they're going to sign the entire free agent class. No, no, I don't. But, so, I, but wouldn't it be cool if they signed those four? I just think it would be a great story. I would take two. Yeah. Give me any two. I'll, I'll throw a prey. I mean, you said my expectations were too low. I thought I was reasonable. With well, my we'll do the, we'll, maybe we'll do this again in the, in the late winter and see where they are. But yeah, I just, yeah. it's going to be, it's a pivotal time. And uh, as a businessman, even just, even if he's not a, an astute owner, just as a businessman, you would think that he would realize that now's the time to, to, to pounce and to get the fans back. If so, not now, then when? Right? Exactly. So, that's yeah. the problem. And big, like big I said, sell class. the team. I mean, get rid of the team. I mean, make look, they're worth a billion dollars plus. Go, go make a billion bucks and, you know, sell, you know, put up more pizza headquarters or whatever you want to do. Or, or I don't know, build District Detroit. Uh, you know, but, <laughs> yeah, right. um, you know, if, you, if you're not going to do it now, get rid of the team. I mean, this, this town won't stand for it forever. I mean, this town cares too much about the team. Well, I hope you get over the fact that uh, your fan base has lost all respect for you for having appeared for your fourth time here. And uh, I've only that. saw two people. I know. I know a lot of people don't care. A lot of people like you. Yeah, a lot of people like you. It's, it's a, a growing. People. I mean, you, I mean, when Dave Burkett and Justin Rogers are coming on your show, guys with actual credibility. What about Chad Livingood, the Chad best Livingood? reporter in the state He's of Michigan? Great. Chad's great. Yeah. He's good. But well, we're critically acclaimed. It's it's always like the anonymous guys on Twitter that don't like Well, them. it's your stupid past, bro. It's yeah. your stupid past. Well, that's past. You, you were immature. 
Oh yeah, yeah absolutely. That's, that's all it is. That's yeah. all it is. As long as you own it, and as long if as people oh, are gonna, yeah. no, people hold. I'm sure there are people that hold that against you. Oh, well, I don't blame them. You the know? first episode we did with the new format was Mike Sullivan. Yeah. And speaking of people that didn't mind going after me, I mean, you could pull it up on YouTube. There, it was like only a 30 minute episode. You had like four engagements that night. But at one point, I'm paraphrasing. He was like. Hey, don't you think you have some shit to apologize for uh, in your past? Like, he's just like, I, I sit right there. I'm like, yeah, I was kind of an asshole. He's like, oh, that's good. That's good that you acknowledge that. So, yeah, yeah people, obviously, people, I was yeah, yeah, creeping in my 20s. You always have to own your past and yeah. live with it and deal with the consequences. So that's what it is. Yeah, I have to own that. You have to own the fact that you targeted D'Antonio and took him down because uh, you were that's a big facts. fan of Curtis Blackwell, oh, such right? A, such, a, <laughs> such a narrative. But there are people that believe that. Narrative. I defended publicly on that know, repeatedly that was so ridiculous uh, i stand but. by i stand by our reporting on right that. we're all you stand all, by publishing the quotes yeah, yeah I, I think stand you by, probably I should stand by <laughs> publishing multiple lawsuits and multiple you know accusations and you know so you didn't fabricate those quotes right? i did not no i did not stand by what i write <laughs> yeah so I don't, I, I don't, I, yeah. it's safe to say that was so funny like the blackwall thing it's like here's the story it's in the public eye you ask blackwell for his side okay here's a million words and here's uh d'antonio here's his side oh no comment and everyone's like, well, the story's in balance. He's only telling Blackwell's side. It's like, yeah, one side's talking, one side's not. Like, that's not the reporter's fault. All no. the reporter can do is say two sides of the story. Right. I'm going to ask this side and that side, and I'm going to publish what they say. Right. If one says no comment and one couldn't shut the fuck up. Yeah. Guess how the story that's we're on you for saying no comment. We're publishing, also publishing depositions from D'Antonio and, 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 uh, and people on MSU staff. So from that avenue, we had comment from them that really confirmed some of the stuff Blackwell said. So. Look, I stand by it. People are, MSU fans are always going to hate me for it. Uh, every once in a while, I'll get an email from an MSU fan saying, hey, that was fair, you know, but, you know. Oh, you know where I, I stand. I'm not very popular. Uh, I'm about as popular uh, at Michigan State as I am with Phil Mickelson fans. Well, so, they, don't, they don't like me either, that yeah. Michigan State. Yeah, it's yeah. very, they, they hate the, the best representatives in their coterie. No, it's, it's funny because, like, I, my, I'll just say this really quick, um, but my last move, uh, I lost my degree. I like frame degree for Michigan State. So you can go online and order another one. I'm afraid they won't give me one. That'll be the true test. I'm afraid they won't give me one. Yeah, well, keep us posted. We yeah. can come back in the winter. And yeah, see they, you'll see if I got yeah. my degree. Yeah, if that, if that was lost in the mail or not. Yep. So thank you all for watching. Now, we're having a lot of fun with you guys. This was our third show in six, seven days, whatever it was. So we'll be back soon. I'll date unconfirmed, but we're working on it. I have a couple of ones that I'm really excited about that are in the works, so we will not spoil that until the ink is dry, right? Just like until Chris Illich signs half of the old roster from 2013. Uh, we're not going to celebrate until that happens. Ben Augusta, the great and powerful Oz on the other side of the wall, doing great work as always. Eric Williamson, I don't even think he's just, you know, and his boxers on his couch watch. I think the guy's, he's old, he's probably asleep by now. But thank you to Eric, our set designer, graphic designer. Thank you to Tony Paul for joining us for the fourth time. I think this is the New record for I didn't know if it was three or four. Yeah. Well, so. four if you include the audio version. So okay. you're you're popular here. Scott making your kind of third appearance, I guess. I mean, second with the real show. Great to have you guys both. Scott from New York, Tony Paul from Oak Park. It's great to have you guys both and appreciate you guys. Appreciate you having me on. This was uh another great time. Always a good time. Here. Welcome anytime. So I, I can't have you back for nine months or something. That clock resets, Scott. So thank you all for watching. Happy to have you guys with us and stay tuned. Lots of exciting stuff coming. Everybody's coming on this show now. We'll see you soon. Thank you. Spiro Avenue Show, Justin Spiro.